happy weekend. It is Saturday. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're super pumped because we got the one and only David Cade coming yes. on the show. Man, I mean, just his name right there. He already sounds like an action star. <laughs> it's true. And, and, and this guy, though, he has got his stuff together. When you guys hear his story, it's so inspiring how he made his way into acting and what got him there. And now that he's there... His goals that he set for himself to get where he wants to be. So inspiring for all you up-and-comers out there, for sure. Yeah, seriously, man. Seriously. And plus, we talk a little mafia, you know? We get a little crazy <laughs> with the mafia. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. fun stuff. It's fun stuff. Well, that's later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 167 this week. Oh, boy, it's going to be a fun one. Man, Uh. action-packed. I mean action-packed because we got a lot of superhero stuff, as always. Yes. But it's HBO Max that dominated and not... Not the Mouse House this right? time. Man, I know you're excited because that's your fave. It HBO is. Max it is. is. I mean, they have the best adult content. I mean, when I was making that tweet, I didn't want it to sound like any porn thing or anything. It's like <laughs> the best film like geared towards adults. Like, I mean, I'm just saying it's the best. All I'm saying is if you, when we get through with the news, if you were worried about DC Universe, HBO Max might change its name. Yeah. There's so much DC so much. content coming to HBO Max. It's crazy, man. It's so great. It's so great. But you you guys know your host with the most myself jlo fantastic and the one and only mouse What's up? guys we're super pumped like we said but before we get this thing started be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear yes the hats the shirts the sweatshirts the tank tops the beanies the things for the dogs toddlers <laughs> literally anything and everything for everybody guys it's great it's absolutely amazing our next sale is in three days count them three, three. days july 20 26th and that's going to be free shipping so i mean take advantage oh, take I advantage mean, yeah that's a good one that's a good one it really is it really is well i mean of course we gotta start with disney and it's very interesting it's very freaking interesting because everybody's been like what's going on uh so was releasing black widow in theaters and on disney plus simultaneously a good or bad idea by Chappic? that is the real freaking question mm. the first two weeks <laughs> have shown mixed results that is for sure black Widow dominated in its first weekend, like all Marvel movies do, uh, smashing box office records, but dropped to second place on the box office charts last weekend, bringing it in just at uh, $26.3 million. Now, that's representing a steep 67 decline uh, in all the freaking sales. It's insane how this weekend will hold up. So far, Black Widow has generated only $141 million in North America and globally 273 million so and i mean that's all three weekends combined now it's going to be very interesting because there are some new movies coming out and i mean there's some popular action movies but like i said i i don't know for box office predictions i think it's at least going to drop to number four 
I don't. I don't know. It's it, going into the weekend. Going into this weekend, it's the number one movie daily. I, I don't know what happened last weekend. So I'm a. It, it did not drop off the number one spot internationally. It stayed number one internationally. It was just in in North America that it saw that weird yeah. dive. But if you look daily now, every, from Monday through Thursday, going into this weekend, it was number one. It beat out all the other ones uh, daily. So I don't know right. i mean and guys i mean th- th- those numbers are pretty impressive right 240 something million you know that it's definitely pandemic records coming out the wazoo for but, sure for sure but it cost over 200 million dollars to make and for all y'all out there that don't realize you have to make twice the production budget just to break even before you see profits so this thing's got another 160 million dollars it's got to make just to break even yeah and then will it make profit and if we continue to see nosedives like 67 percent that's gonna be tough that yeah. that that's gonna be this might be the first marvel movie that's not profitable yeah that would what? be crazy and i mean people are asking what did black widow make on disney plus well we have the answer for you because they actually released the number it, it, it made uh 60 million dollars on disney plus so far now the studio declined to update that figure for the second weekend that one was for the first, first weekend. weekend yeah so i mean it's all crazy man but i mean they're showing a lot of attention towards the mouse house with the simultaneously delete or with the release but we have to think about um space jam 2 on hbo max as well i mean that one was also simultaneously released for free not behind a paywall and it's still looking like it might take second place this weekend so i don't know man i think it's just disney having some problems with that whole system but yeah i i i don't know a lot of it had to do i guess with with bootlegs apparently it was bootlegged pretty heavily the first weekend um and so that played into it i I just i don't know i mean we're this weekend will be the test yes can it rebound or or will it see another significant drop that's going to be the question. I know Feige's fuming. Oh, yeah. Feige sure. is like, this is not how it's supposed to be in the theaters, not on Disney+. Plus. We're giving you content for Disney+. Plus. The shows are whooping ass. Do that and exactly. let the movies be in the theaters where they're supposed to be. And I think if Feige has his way, he's going to make sure that that happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, man. Um, but, yeah, hey, this is interesting news, though, and good news moving forward for Phase 4 uh, because we haven't been talking about this one a lot. But apparently, Mogul Mowgli... Director Bassam Tariq is in talks to direct Marvel Studios' Blade movie. You know, the one starring Marcella Ali. Yes. Now, in February, Watchmen writer Stacey Osset-Kofur was confirmed to write the movie's script with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige obviously producing because he's the mastermind behind it all. The long-anticipated reboot came together after Ali, get this, if you didn't know it, made his own pitch Mm. to Marvel Studios and that he wanted to take up the superhero mantle of Blade. And apparently that was enough and Feige said, hell yes. (laughs) The film uh, is currently undated but is expected to be, like I said, part of Phase 4. So that means sometime over the next year and a half, two years, it will make its debut. So that's um, exciting, man. It I'm is. pumped about that one, especially his interpretation of the character. Blade's always been very interesting to me. I mean, you know, half vampire, half human, but also a vampire hunter. Like, I mean, that's pretty badass. I mean, it is pretty badass. And Marcelo Ali. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he, fucking gonna knock that shit out of the park. And he now see that's a man who knows how to play his power too. Yeah. Back to back Academy Awards, right? And he's like, I'm gonna make a pitch. Yeah, right. And like, you're gonna say yes. 
Yes. Yes. I and mean, that's not know. easy to do to Feige. No. <laughs> but apparently all. it was for Marcella Ali. So Here's funny. my pitch. Say yes. Just, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but Black Widow and Blade aren't the only Marvel projects we'll be talking about on tonight's show. No. Oh, man. The Black Panther sequel There's has... There's a theme. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the Black Panther sequel has added Michaela Cole to its ranks. Uh, Cole most recently released on the HBO series I May Destroy You that was nominated for some Emmys yep. uh, to critical acclaim for four Emmy nominations will join filmmaker Ryan Coogler's Black Panther Wakanda Forever which is currently filming in Atlanta. It is expected that much of the cast Marvel's first Black Panther film which includes Naipa the sister, uh, <laughs> Dayani Gurugu and Latita Wright, uh, Daniel Kalua and Winston Duke will return. Basically, everybody that with great names. Coogler reworked the script following the stars uh, Chadwick Boseman's unexpected passing due to colon cancer a year ago. It's crazy. It's already been a year. I know. Um, the first Black Panther grossed a massive $1.3 billion worldwide at the box office, and Wakanda Forever is set for July 8th, 2022 release date and no doubt i think it's going to perform almost if as well if not better than the original it 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 certainly should if they don't put it on disney plus oh damn (laughs) damn wham (laughs) that's my opinion on bob Chappick's decision don't put the movies on fucking disney plus that's what the shows are for i'm just saying just saying my opinion now we got a little bit more movie news before we go back to marvel (laughs) news the marvel news that should be on disney plus but we'll get to that in a minute uh bradley whitford i love fucking bradley whitford josh from the west wing handsmaid's tale he's been everywhere this guy's epic apparently he is set to join 20th century's rosaline Mm. now this sounds very interesting apparently it's a comedic and revisionist take on romeo and juliet that has caitlin deaver another one of my favorites love her um attached the star isabella marced is on board to play juliet because she didn't get another role, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Merced is on board to play Juliet, and Kyle Allen will play Romeo. Now, the film apparently had been at MGM, but recently hit the market and was quickly acquired by 20th Century. Um, this is interesting. Now get, now, get this. The script is a modern twist on the classic Shakespeare tale told through the eyes of of Juliet's cousin, Rosaline, Mm. a sharp but idealistic young woman who happens to be Romeo's recent ex. Oh, shit. What begins as an attempt to foil the infamous romance and win back her guy becomes a journey of self-discovery as she ultimately works to help get the star-crossed lovers back together so they can kill themselves. Oh, wow. (laughs) It didn't say that. I just added that because that's what happens. I mean, uh, Caitlin Deaver (laughs) has the spurned ex telling the story that's gonna be fucking hilarious it's a very interesting yeah, premise, man yeah. very interesting premise um now speaking of more marvel news that he was referencing earlier that should be on disney that plus should be on disney plus loki executive producer and director kate heron has been a force but she's been a major force behind the project oh, yeah. i should say directed all six episodes says she will not be back for season two which mm. is very interesting in its statement she said quote 
I am not returning. I will always, I always plan uh, just on for this. And to be honest, season two wasn't in the works. That's something that just came out. And I'm so excited, but I'm really happy to watch it as a fan next season. But I just think I'm proud of what we did here. And I've given it my all. I'm working on some other stuff uh, yet to be announced. But at the time, it's just not right for her, which is unfortunate because if she directed the whole thing, why wouldn't you just let her know that you had plans for a season two? Yeah. That sucks. Why didn't you try to like rope her in as early as possible? That that's and, unfortunate. And it, I, I was watching uh, Assembled. You know the behind the scenes making of these shows. Yeah. And apparently, I mean, the entire thing was based on her pitch. Damn. So. <laughs> Which was very funny because she says she was told by her agent, this is just a meeting. Do not go in there and pitch anything. It's just to say hello. It's just to say. And so she said, I said, screw that. I developed this whole thing about how I wanted to do it. And I went in there and I laid it out. Go her. And apparently it worked. So, But my point is the entire season was based on a pitch of her idea for Loki and what they had. So, I mean, not going forward on season two, you would hope the next guy's like, stick with right what she's done because if not that's going to be crazy you don't want to fuck up something that's working really yeah. well right and i mean this, i think loki was the most ambitious marvel television project that they had put out so far and i mean wanda was fucking crazy as oh, well yeah yeah but i mean loki and then having the same director throughout the whole thing i feel like you need to keep that chemistry you need to keep that vibe going so i feel like kevin feige needs to hover over that one well and kevin feige was not kidding about the multiverse connection yeah. stuff have you guys seen the video like episode six of Loki and episode six, the the final episode of WandaVision, somebody laid them out time to the, and when Kang is doing his little description and he gets distracted, like and he and he and he realizes something's happening in the multiverse that's getting ready to fuck everything up. It's when Wanda manifests her powers in the fight with Ash, oh, and it's at the exact same time. Damn. On, on, like it's like 45, 44 minutes and twenty six seconds on the WandaVision thing. Forty four minutes and twenty six seconds That's on the so t- detail. Exactly, That's and when so when she throws Agnes to the ground, you know. That's when he drops his pen. Oh, but fuck. it's it's like so fucking That's crazy. Linked. It's <laughs> it, it's mind blowing how that shit is. So like when he turns and says, "Oh shit, something's going on in the multi." It's fucking Wanda, like setting up all the sh- It's Damn. so fucking crazy, man. Kudos to them. I don't know how they do it, but uh, they're right? fucking brilliant. <laughs> they That's are. what I'm saying. Just listen to Feige, y'all. Chappic, brilliant. Not so brilliant. Just listen to fucking Feige. He knows oh, what man. to do. All right. Hey, Arrow alum. I'm super excited about this. Josh Segura has apparently joined the cast of Marvel's She-Hulk series. You know, the one starring Tatiana Malosny in the title role. He joins a cast, as you guys know, because we've already told you, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Ginger Gonzagas, and, of course, the man himself, Mark Ruffalo, who will be reprising his role as some... Uh, that guy oh yeah bruce banner the hulk the green guy <laughs> because she hulk can't exist without him it's a blood transfusion if you're not a comic geek oh, that's how she gets the powers anyway she hulk is a legal comedy that centers on jennifer walters an attorney who has similar powers to her cousin because of a blood transfusion that she needed after an accident doesn't say that i'm just telling you in case you don't know she hulk series is directed by cat coiro 
Uh, and Anna Valera and Jessica Goyo will be serving as head writer. It's unknown who Sagara will be playing. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. Oh, th- apparently this is like a, a, a lot of guest stars coming in and out, though. It's one of those type shows yeah. where each week there's going to be guest stars and a lot of Marvel characters. Makes sense. I mean, we, sense. we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Remember, possibly Kitty Pride, mm. which yeah. would, would mean the X-Men. Yeah. I'm just saying. Kept under those comic book wraps. <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, yeah. This next one, man. Man, this one sucks because I feel like this thing just needs enough momentum to get out there. A lot of people are pumped for it, but it keeps getting like swept at the leagues. Um, <laughs> Disney Plus's upcoming Willow series has lost yet another director. Yeah, what the fuck? You might remember at the beginning of the year, uh, we reported that John M. Chu had stepped down to the, uh, the director position due to production schedule moving, continued lockdowns in the UK, and a new baby. And he signed on to like a Wizard of Oz project. <laughs> Yeah, oddly about. enough, right? Um, well, now his replacement, Jonathan Entwistle, uh, has stepped down and has been replaced by Stephen Wolfenden. Uh, according <laughs> to sources, uh, Jonathan left the project back in April and his exit did not impact the production schedule. Now, uh, Stephen, Stephen, uh, was already attached to the project as producing director, and it's been reported that he shot the first two episodes anyway, so it was kind of a natural, smooth transition for him to step into the role, which is good, because like I said, a lot of people are pumped for this, especially a lot of 80s people. I mean, you know, people with gray hair. So Or we, no hair. Or no hair. <laughs> Either or, pick your poison. That's but, right. That's yeah, right. I mean, you know, I wish the best for this thing, because I'm interested now. I'm just curious from the get-go why they just didn't have ron howard come back to direct yeah right well i mean i don't understand. he's a busy guy he is is and getting ready apparently to sell imagine that's that's the rumor anyway crazy um yeah that'd be interesting uh this is very cool because we talk all all the time about diversity and we need more asian stories and more asian actors and representation disney's doing a really good job Lana Cho has secured a script sale with streamer Hulu for the drama American Soul, mm. not S-O-U-L, <laughs> no, no, S-E-O-U-L, oh. Soul as in Seoul, Korea, which is very interesting. Right? The hour-long drama is about a young Korean-American adoptee who moves to Seoul for a job opportunity and discovers that she is the heir of a dynastic Korean family. Cho will write and executive produce the project, which will also be executive produced by Sebastian Lee and David Kim, who is the executive producer on ABC's The Good Doctor. So that's awesome. It's in very good hands. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I love it. I, I just love that they're moving forward with more representation and more diversity and getting it out there, man. Exactly. Much needed in today's society. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hulu has also put together a legal drama, Reasonable Doubt, on on a script to series development track with an opening of a writer's room. The project originally set up at ABC during the 2019-2020 development season hails from writer Ramala Mohamed from Scandal. Carrie Washington's Simpson Street Productions, Larry Wilmore's Wilmore Films, celebrity attorney Sean Holy a member of O.J. Simpson's legal defense mm. dream team and ABC Signatures where Omid and Washington have been under deals. Now, Omid 
reworked uh, her original script for the streamer as Reasonable Doubt was taken on by Onyx uh, Collective, the recently launched new Disney curated content brand for creators of color and unrepresented voice. There you go. Now, the writer's room, consisting of all black staff led by Muhammad, uh, is working on a handful of scripts that will be evaluated by Hulu's Brass as part of their consideration of a series pick up for the project in reasonable doubt you'll uh judge jack stewart for her reasonable ethics and wild interpretations of the law until you're the one in trouble Mm. then you'll see uh you'll see her for what she is the most brilliant and fearless defense attorney in la who bucks the justice system at every chance she get so basically an attorney that plays doesn't play by the rules hmm. like hmm. very interesting yeah i'd rather have all rise back on i feel you. I, I mean i know that's cbs but I, i'm just saying we had some good representation there and it we did i we just did. don't understand uh maya rudolph and natasha leone's animal pictures has apparently set its first feature film with love in color the latest team up between American High and Hulu, Love in Color, will follow an aspiring young artist who is forced to join her high school track team. She uses it as an opportunity to pursue the girl she's been harboring a longtime crush on, but she soon finds herself falling for an unexpected teammate and discovers what real love feels like. Oh, oh. shit. Oh. Never expected. Mm. That's mm. great. Oh, man. Well, ABC News is expanding its primetime 2020 news magazine with a new series, Superstar. This this sounds interesting. Uh, which will begin airing on ABC August 11th. Each episode of Superstar uh, will profile a different celebrity who has shaped American culture. The first episode will profile Whitney Houston and I... Okay, I can't Yep, do it. yep. And will include never-before-seen private videos of the singer who died back in 2012. Uh, the special will also include archival news interviews, or just interviews in general, of Houston and Bobby Brown. Uh, the new in the new interviews with Brandy, uh, Shaka Khan, BB uh, Winans, and Darlene Love will air on ABC August 11th at 10 p.m. and will stream on Hulu the next day. Future episodes will focus on celebrities like Kobe Bryant, Robin Williams, and many other influential people. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. Especially people we like every all the celebrities are in the limelight, but it's, there's like a handful that we put in front of everyone else. So Yeah, I I'm think I, I mean I'm excited too, and I'm I'm really excited to see how deep they dive. Like right? I I saw Darlene Love on there and like are they gonna touch on the long rumored you know Whitney had was a lesbian and had had a lover. Are they going to go there? I, I mean, they're talking to Bobby and and like right. and I don't know how deep will it go. But I mean, I think I love this idea though to focus and the, you know the Robin Williams one is going to be oh, huge. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be freaking amazing and, and like massive ratings numbers. I would guess for sure. Speaking of Whitney Houston, just real quick, they're they're moving forward with that with deep fake hologram concert oh, series shit. it's like touring the country like that's I, I just don't i i don't understand why very i mean I, I you can't tell me her estate needs that much money right they need like, to do a hologram concert i feel like I, it's I just, borderline disrespectful 
Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. This one is really interesting, right? I mean, you can't get rid of these guys. They're everywhere, and they're going to keep being everywhere, apparently. After years of trying to secure top sports celebrities to boost the flagship Monday night football coverage, because it hasn't been the same since Al, Frank, and Dan, honestly. I'm it just hasn't. saying. Or at least Al and John Madden, yeah. right? Like, it just hasn't been the same. And then it was NBC. But anyway, as you guys know, it was shifted over from ABC to ESPN, and it. it it basically sucks. Now. Yeah. Basically. But anymore, they're trying to fix it. And this is what they've announced. They've enlisted both Peyton and Eli Manning to co-anchor a second broadcast of the Signature Show starting this fall. Now, the famous football brothers will lead the new broadcast on ESPN2, the deuce, as it's known. And the sports media giant said it may also place their show on its streaming video, ESPN+. Plus. The pair will start their duties in the fall of 2021 and continue through 2023 season, handling a total of 30 games over uh, three seasons. I'm pumped. So, yeah, me t- the two of them together are going to be fucking hysterical. I think so, too. They're so competitive with each other. It's going to be really, like, who's going to be the announcer? Who's going to be the play-by-play? Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I feel like who's going to be the straight guy who's going to be the play by play good luck right but it will be entertaining as hell to watch and that's what it's supposed to be right exactly exactly well now moving over to fox they have assembled a judging panel and named the host for its singing competition alter ego the show is a special effects assisted spin on the mass singer concept and it's going to feature a judging panel com- uh, comprising Alanis Morissette, uh, Grimes, Nick Lachey, and Will I Am, <laughs> Rosie Diaz from VH1's Dating Naked will host the show. Now the show will feature people from all walks of life whose singing dreams were never even realized. They'll perform not as themselves but as their dream avatar. Okay, uh, using what motion capture fuck? and visual effects to become the performer they've always wanted to be. That's kind of creepy. I don't like it. I, I really don't like it. I, 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 it just seems unnecessary. What the fuck, Fox? It just seems... Uh, but it's Fox. Yeah. They're having huge success with these weird-ass shows, so they're just going to keep making them until they don't. That's my guess. That's, I, I just It makes me cringe. It does. Yeah. It does. All right, jumping over to the bunny, because we told you we got a lot of bunny news this week. Black Adam. Yes, the highly anticipated Black Adam, long-in-development Black Adam, has officially wrapped production. Star Dwayne Johnson broke the news on social media about the DC movie and released a date July 29th, 2022. The 11th installment in the DCEU is directed by Jami Collette Serra, whose past directing credits include House of Wax, Orphan, and The Shallows, more recently directed Disney's Jungle Cruise, which also happened to star Dwayne Johnson. Right. So I guess they were pretty familiar. They felt pretty comfortable. I'm just so happy. He In Man that too. statement, he was like, guys, this has been like a 20-year venture of trying to get this thing made. Right. It's been a dream of mine, and he couldn't have been happier with the cast and the crew. And He, ju- he just seems pumped. I'm and excited I, for it. I'm him. excited for it. I think it's going to be a kick-ass film. So. Hell yeah. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Well, Warner Media CEO Jason Kalar uh, announced this week that next year Warner Brothers will be 
moving back to a more traditional theatrical release strategy. Amid the with the shortened 45 window for exclusive theatrical distribution for mm. many of the theatrical bound titles on its slate, but it will produce 10 or more movies exclusively for their streaming service HBO Max ah. in 2022. Now he spoke as part of AT&T's second quarter earnings call in which he was asked about the company's distribution strategy for Warner Brothers titles next year because everybody knows this year was the whole, you know, simultaneously thing. Oh yeah. Uh Warner Media shook up the industry late last year, like I said with its move to day and date HBO Max theatrical releases for all the studios 2021 slate given COVID lockdown conditions had to shutter theaters. <laughs> it's very freaking interesting, man, and I mean, I think it was a good band-aid. Like I said, it kept people entertained, but it was definitely not the long-term solution. I'm I'm just going to say the one thing that they did right and I think kind of worked with Space Jam like you were talking about although not nearly the numbers that Black Widow produced right the 60 million and and the 80 something million much lower but what I think HBO Max has done right even though I I disagree with this strategy is no stupid premium pay window it's just it's on HBO Max or you go see it at the theater you don't have to pay some crazy ass additional cost like you do on Disney to watch it on the streamer which is where I think Disney fucked up Agreed. Like if it, look, Soul was hugely successful, there was no pay window for Soul. But with Black Widow, there was, and it clearly fucked it up. Agreed. So just it, HBO Max is doing it correctly there. Um, okay, big news here, huge news. This is what I was kind of hinting at at the top of the show about how uh, it, they might as well change the name of HBO Max to DC Universe because it's a whole shit ton coming. After testing actresses Leslie Grace, Haley Lou Richardson, Isabella Merced. See, I told you she was trying to get another role but didn't get it, but it's fine. Remember, we told you she got a new one in Romeo and Juliet. It's great. Uh, and Zoe Deutsch this week, Warner Brothers and DC Films apparently have found their Batgirl. Sources say Leslie Grace has been tapped to play Barbara Gordon in the studio's upcoming Batgirl film. The studio was already super high with the rising star following her breakout role in The Heights, and sources say her audition sealed the deal as the choice. Now, the film is bowing on HBO Max, marking the first major DC property to debut exclusively on the streamer. As HBO Max continues to bolster its original programming in an effort to lure subscribers, DC content is the way to do it. That's clear. Batgirl will be directed by Aldi El Arabi and Billy Abiafala, the directing pair behind Bad Boys for Life, one of the few actual box office successes during the pandemic in 2020, if you guys remember that. Uh, Christina Hodson wrote the screenplay, and while the plot details are under wraps, as they always are, it is known that Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Commissioner Gordon, will be the character behind the cape in this version. Gordon is the most established version of the Batgirl character that was actually first introduced as Betty Kane back in 1961, but um, Barbara Barbara Gordon is the more, like, she's the definitive background. Yeah. This one's been causing some controversy. It has. Not a lot of people are happy with this casting decision, but are any comic book geeks ever happy with casting decisions? I mean, I think she's she's going to be fantastic. I really do. I get that she's Latinx. I get, you know, uh, but but I who cares? Right? Who cares? She was phenomenal in the Heights, and I think she's, her excitement to get the role and her audition must have been fucking crazy good. I mean, if that's what, like, exactly. so if you're excited to get 
the role and you want the role and and you're a geek. She's apparently a geek. She loves the DC universe. Then how can this be a bad move? Exactly. Like shut the fuck up. I Let know. be happy. I exactly. mean, exactly. <sighs> I know people, man. You can't please people. everybody, man. Uh, Victoria Cartagena uh, has joined the upcoming third season of Batwoman, a new series regular portraying Renee Montoya. Yeah. In a CW drama. Now she will be playing Montoya's is a former. GCPD officer who left the force because she could no longer stomach the corruption inside of the department. Now, she uh, runs a the Freaks division, which hasn't seen a lot of action until now. Mm-hmm. Righteous and pragmatic and LGBTQ has, uh, she is a woman with a very personal and mysterious mission to help clean the streets of Gotham in the right way, by whatever means necessary. Yeah, I'm super pumped about this and you know what's really interesting about this she played this actress uh victoria played renee montoya on gotham that's cool right so even though they're not connected in any way whatsoever she's playing the same role on a new show so that's kind of cool though i mean she clearly knows the character so i guess you know exactly (laughs) uh let's see in a new sampling strategy to boost hbo max signups boy they're trying everything aren't they warner media is letting snapchat users in the u.s watch select pilots of the streaming services original series for free oh shit with up to 63 friends oh starting to roll out This past Tuesday, the first episodes of the shows on HBO Max, including Gossip Girl Reboot, Euphoria, The Flight Attendant, Lovecraft Country, and Game of Thrones, are all available to stream on Snapchat's app in the U.S. Snapchatters can watch the free episodes with their friends through Snap Minis, the company's platform for shared experiences on Snapchat. Now, HBO Max is the first major streamer to build a Snap Mini co-viewing experience to bring full-length episodes to Snapchat. So I would guess a lot of a lot of the streamers will follow suit if this is successful. Yeah, I would agreed. guess. That, right, very interesting concept though. I mean, I never thought that that would be a thing. But you see, this is what we're talking about. The entertainment industry changes every single day, and it's, this is why you have to listen to the show to keep up with it. That's right. Oh man, <laughs> uh, Punky Johnson, the Saturday Night Live feature player, has been cast in season two of HBO Max's rom com anthology series Love Life. Starring opposite previously announced The Good Place alum William Jackson Harper. Mm. Additionally, uh, the premium cable or streaming platform announced that Leslie Bibb, John Earl Jilks, and Aaron Moyd uh, will recur in the show. Kimberly Elise, Ego Noibd, and Blair <laughs> Underwood will guest star. Now, season two of Love Life, which hails from Lionsgate Television, uh, focuses on Marcus Watkins, who is played by Harper, as he uh, comes with hope of his years-long relationship with a woman he thought was going to be his person. The rug is pulled out from underneath <laughs> him, and he is plunged back into the search of a romantic fulfillment in life that he thought he already had found. Now, Love Life is currently in production in New York, baby. So, yeah, man. We can all relate to that one, right? Uh, yeah. you, you think you found the love of your life. You got it. You're locking it down. It's good to go. No. 
Nope, just nope, kidding. Got to start over. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's going to be a good one. It's Agreed. Gonna good one. It's going to be very interesting. I don't know how you feel about this one. I, I, I feel like it's a mixed emotions on this one. HBO Max is apparently expanding its Game of Thrones animation slate. Now, we told you back in January that the streamer had an animated project in development. Now, according to our sources, it's now working on at least two more potential animated shows. The only post- Game of Thrones project certain to hit the prequel, uh, the air is the prequel House of Dragon, which tells the story of the Terrigen Civil War, and that's set for 2022. That's the only one we know for sure that's actually set to air. HBO Max has also had no comment on the two animated projects. The streamer is ramping up its adult animation slate in general, though, having recently greenlit a Batman animated series from producer J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves. So he's got the live-action Gotham series, now the animated Batman. Batman series, like I'm telling you, I know, right? He should just be the guy. I hope they're just trying out a whole bunch of different concepts and don't release all of these. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you got to figure out what's best. You got to do screen tests. You got to make sure like the audience will actually like it. But let's not get overwhelmed or drown in fucking Game of Thrones shit because the original was so good that I mean, people are going to be so sick of the concept once all of this is done if you try to release too much. So agreed. We shall Walking see. Walking Dead. Yes. Walking Dead. Seriously. Prime example. Exactly. And I mean, speaking of Matt Reeves, a rising British filmmaker, Oscar Sharp, has teamed up with Reeves and Damien Lindolf in a development of a medical drama for HBO Max. The Human Conditions is an original series that follows a young British doctor who must learn uh, to treat impossible fantastic fantastic crazy illnesses not fantastic illnesses but by (laughs) healing the emotional issues that underline them and comforting her own along the way i love that wait confronting her own illnesses along is is this like 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 this sounds like a reboot of house a little bit right like i don't know yeah but boy matt reeves likes the lost alums huh that last story of jj abrams and now damon lindelhoff it's like matt reeves teams with all the lost alum to make shows exactly (laughs) bringing them all back bringing them all back lost lost jj uh js is is loving that because he's a huge lost fan he's geek all right hey aquaman you remember him, Jason Momoa? Yeah, that guy. He's filming. He's at blonde hair now, and they're apparently started production. He's a busy guy, but Aquaman isn't the only thing he apparently is doing. This sounds exciting. Aquaman star Jason Momoa is launching a reality series. Momoa is producing and appearing in a rock climbing competition mm. titled The Climb for HBO Max with rock climber Chris Sharma. The concept is described as a visually arresting and life-changing adventure that represents the foundations of rock climbing and the exploration of the human spirit. In this all-encompassing competition, amateur climbers are put through a rigorous series of mental and physical challenges, utilizing the most intimidating ascents in the world to crown the world's best amateur climber. Oh, wow. Damn. Very interesting. Damn. This has seemed to become more prevalent, more popular recently because I think I I just went and saw a movie and they released a trailer before and it was like a documentary about a solo climber, you know, who doesn't use any ropes or anything. He just climbs up shit. So uh, it's very interesting. I mean, that shit's dangerous, man. It really is, but it seems to be like, like, like you said, I mean, it's always been a, 
a thing for the wealthy, right? Oh, yeah, like for sure. ascending to Mount Everest and and climbing all all the the world peaks, it's right? The adrenaline rush. Yeah, yeah. But now it has really become a kind of a thing for an everyday guy, yeah. and you know, kind of doing it. So, it, and hey, man, if Jason Momoa gets behind it, you're gonna do it's it. It's gonna right? be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be really oh, yeah. good. Um, the Last of Us series on HBO has cast Anna Trove in a recurring guest star role. Now, Anna joins previously announced series leads uh, Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, as well as cast members Gabriel Luna, Morel Dandridge, Nico, uh, Nico Parker, uh, Con O'Neill, Jeffrey Pierce, and so many others. The Last of Us series was first announced as being in development on the premium mm. cabler last March with the show landing a formal series order back in November. Based on the video game of the same name, the series takes place 20 years after the modern civilization has been destroyed. We've told you about this one before. Like we've said, turning games into television and or film content is huge right now. So HBO is jumping on that shit. They are. And Anna Torv, I'm a fan of Anna Torv. She's a huge fan of her on Fringe with Joshua Jackson uh, and Mark Valley. Yeah. Um, and Anna and Mark used to be a thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Just... Just putting Man. that out there. Just putting that out yeah. there. Um, but I am a huge fan of Anna. I think that's going to be a great addition. Um, apparently, HBO has added five more actors to star alongside Alicia Vekander in the upcoming limited series, Irma Veep. Mm. Uh, Adria Arona uh, from Six Underground. Uh, Carrie Brownston from Portlandia. Gerard Carmichael from The Carmichael Show and Rami. Fala Shen from The Undoing and Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. And Devin Ross will all star alongside Vikander in the limited series. Now, in this show, Mira, who's Vikander, is an American movie star disillusioned by her career and a recent breakup. She comes to France to star in Irma Vep in a remake of the French silent film classic, Les Vampires. Set against the backdrop of a lurid crime thriller, Mira struggles as the uh, she uh, as the distinctions between herself and the character she plays begins to merge and blur reality. Mm. Oh, very interesting. That sounds. I mean, okay. Yeah. All right. 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 Like, okay. okay. A lot of stuff happening there. That's a lot, a lot of, of stuff, stuff happening. <laughs> oh man. Well, Madeline Mantock is leaving Charmed after three seasons. The actress has played one of the three main characters of the CW reboot since it began. Now, season three of the series is set to wrap on July 23rd, which will mark Mantock's last appearance as a series regular. Melini um, Diaz and Sarah Jeffrey remain with the series, and it remains to be seen how Mantock's character Macy will be written off the show. So that's very interesting. I mean, we all have those Charmed fans out there, and everybody knows they love it. So and yeah. very, and parallels the original Charmed when Shannon Doherty left. Yeah, uh, right, right. Like one of the sisters left. Exactly. So what are they gonna do? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I just saying. I know. And before jumping over to the eye, I just want to say very proud of HBO Max for gaining that many subscribers for the second quarter. They rocked and rolled like 10 million plus subscribers. So, I mean, kudos to y'all, man. I mean, they're on the rise. They and really Netflix are. did not. Yeah. Only exactly. 1.5 million, I think, which was way down from, from – so exactly. kudos. Disney and HBO Max are coming for you. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Okay, jump into the eye, right? Pam Greer is set to star in the prequel to Paramount's 2019 horror film Pet Cemetery. Yes, we've told you about this one. Greer apparently joins the cast that includes Jackson White, Forrest Goodluck, Jack Mulhern, Natalie Allen Lind, and Isabella um, Star LeBlanc. 
The upcoming Pet Cemetery will serve as apparently an origin story to the Stephen King novel about the family that discovers a rather disturbing graveyard in the woods. The movie, which still doesn't have a title, <laughs> begins shooting in August and will debut exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. So, there you go. Goodness gracious. Another reboot, but, you know, whatever. I hey, mean, we'll just call it an origin. Yeah, it's a prequel. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Christine Paul and Carter Redwood rounded out the series' regular cast for FBI International, the upcoming third series mm-hmm. in the Dick Wolf universe that is the um, FBI universe, I should say. Uh, on CBS, they will play the remaining leads uh, opposite of recently cast Luke. Oh, shit. A fine stink? Yeah. Yep, sure. And Haida Reed and uh, Vanessa Vitito. Damn, guys. Okay. <laughs> well, I it is international. It FBI really international. Is. Proud of you. Uh, in the series, which is slated to air as part of an FBI Tuesday lineup, FBI International will launch on September 21st. So be sure to mark your calendars. And this one's going to be a three hour crossover premiere along with the mothership, FBI, and FBI Most Wanted. In a special time, 10 p.m. Uh, before moving to its regular 9 p.m. So everybody's excited about it, man. Everybody's I mean, excited about it. And boy, he likes to do these crossovers with all his shows, he right? Loves <laughs> like, I mean, it. That, he loves it. That's how you do it. Just Law and Order. I mean, this guy, Chicago, Law and Order, FBI. This guy's got like franchises coming out the ass like Seriously. on every network. Dick Wolf. I know. I you don't know how there. he sleeps. I don't know either, man. The guy just is pumping them out. Left, he's like shitting them. Like I just don't even know. You go, Dick, getting in there. You're getting in there, boy. Woo! Yeah, you are. All right. I am super pumped about this one. I am currently watching season five, and I'm loving every fucking episode. Nikki James, I'm. So, I love Nikki James. She's so phenomenal. She actually directed the last episode that I watched. Outstanding job, Nikki. Oh, I'm talking, of course, about the good fight. Which apparently has already been renewed for season six at Paramount Plus. Nice. News of the renewal comes about midway through the show's fifth season. Now, the first five episodes of season five are currently streaming on Paramount Plus. I watched episode five. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, the Good Fight's provocative, whip smart, and no holds barred world remains as relevant as ever, continuing to entice new audiences as one of Paramount Plus's top performing original series. Duh. It's a spinoff for anybody who doesn't know from The Good Wife with Juliana Margulies. It's got a lot of the same characters and it carried over and a lot of the guest stars from The Good Wife have been on this series and I think that's why it's so successful. Um, In the current season, Diane is forced to question whether it's appropriate for her to help run an African-American law firm with Liz when the firm loses two top lawyers. Meanwhile, Marissa and the firm become entangled with Hal Wagner, who's Mandy Patinkin, by the way, who's doing fucking phenomenal this season, a regular Chicagoan who decides to open his own courtroom in the back of a copy shop. Interesting. Yes, not a real judge, <laughs> not a real court, not real decisions. And you can imagine it's causing some issues. Oh, yeah, for it's, sure. Oh, it's such, I mean, great season. I'm so happy about the renewal. Hell, yeah, hell, yeah. And this next one's very interesting, and this guy's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anthony Epiliro, uh from Grand Army has been tapped to play Al Pacino, opposite of Miles Teller and Matthew Good in The Offer, Paramount Plus's upcoming limited series about the making of The Godfather. We've mm. told you about this oh, one yeah. before. I'm so super pumped. I mean, this one is star-stubbed. I mean, uh, it's so good. It's going to be so great. I'm- I- 
I'm yeah. so excited. No, yeah, and I can't wait for people to see because that movie was not easy to get made. Not at all. It's one of the like legendary best movies of all time, right? It's on everybody's best movie of all time list, right? But to get the thing made was not an easy task. No. So this is going to be really good to watch. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Larry Wilmore and Rain Wilson are joining Annette Benning and Brian Cranston in the upcoming Paramount Plus Lotto Hack project. Jerry and Marge go large. Announced recently as one of the first original films at Viacom CBS. The film tells the remarkable true story of how retiree Jerry Selby, who's Brian Cranston, discovered a mathematical loophole in the Massachusetts lottery and with the help of his wife Marge, Annette Benning, wins $27 million and uses the money to revive their small Michigan town. Oh, wow. How cool is that? That's really cool. That sounds really cool. And right. I mean, you know, they could have just squandered that money and done whatever, but to... Of course, they cheated yeah, technically, I mean, but at least they did good with the money, though. They helped the bad town. I mean, come on. Real illegal. Real illegal. <laughs> but, I mean, you know. Hey, it was a loophole. He's just, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Shailene Woodley has joined Showtime's upcoming hour-long series, Three Women, as the lead. Uh, the drama is a book-to-television adaptation of the nonfiction bestseller of the same name, by Lisa Taddeo, and now who is executive produces the series. The series will tell the true uh, multi generational story of three American women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who suffered backlash for their sexual desires as well as their public and private pursuits of sexual independence and justice. Now, oh. the show is set to begin production in the fall. Very inclusive, man. I mean, I love it. Every single week we talk about more. More and more content that's going to be super inclusive. I'm totally. I love Shailene Woodley. Will yeah, we see great. Aaron Rodgers? Right, like they're <laughs> apparently best friends. Like. Yeah, <laughs> best friends. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Showtime is rounding out the cat. I'm excited about this one too, y'all. Showtime's rounding out the casting of the Roosevelt family for its upcoming anthology series, The First Lady. Apparently, Oscar and Emmy and Tony winner Ellen Bernstein, Eliza Scanlon, and Kaylee Spaney are all set for recurring roles on the series. Bernstein is going to play Sarah Delano Roosevelt, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's mother. Scanlon will portray a young Eleanor Roosevelt, and Spanny is going to play Anna Eleanor Roosevelt, the eldest daughter and only child of FDR and Eleanor. So oh, wow. there you go. They keep just loading this cast up, man. This that, is going to be such a good series. I'm so excited for that one, too. So much good content coming our way. Uh, Nickelin ha- Nickelodeon <laughs> has renewed Baby Shark's Big Show Baby for Shark, a second Shark, season Shark, Shark. and is also in early stages of developing a feature film oh, no. based on the pop culture phenomena is it pop culture i feel like the song was just super catchy for like one summer um the preschool series is midway through its 26 episode first season season two will feature the same number of installments and the second most watched show among kids five and under uh the second quarter of 2021 uh behind only nickelodeon's paw patrol the movie will be co-produced by nickelodeon's animation and smart study the company behind pink fong 
Oh, pink, not fi- pink thong, pink <laughs> fong, uh, the kids entertainment brand that will be made the Baby Shark song pop culture phenomena. Pink thongs are what caused the Baby Shark phenomena. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's a totally different culture. Oh, no. Uh, hmm. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Skipping over to NBC Universal, otherwise known as the Dick Wolf Network, uh, Jordan Peele has announced the title of his next horror movie, which has been shrouded in secrecy. And guess what it's called? Nope. Nope. No, I mean, I'm telling you, nope is the title. Not nope, I'm not going to tell you. Nope is the title, apparently. Peel made the news known on his social media channels and revealed the title in a poster. Mm. The poster, get this, reveals a cloud at night with a kite flag a tail attached above a lit mountainside town. Now, no log line was provided. The pick's release date, which was already announced, is July 22nd, 2022. Peel reteams with Get Out star Daniel Kaluuya. Nope also stars Kiki Palmer, Steven Yoon, Barbie Ferreira, and Brandon Perea. Nice. Now, that's a nice cast. Seriously. That's going to be like, okay. Exactly. All this right. guy's got so much interesting concepts in the works. He, do- he He's a strange fellow. He is. Like, the shit that he writes is just strange. Range. I know. He seemed like such a normal guy on King and Pill. Yeah, but <laughs> he had no idea. Apparently, he had some issues that right? he's trying to resolve in these horror movies. It's great, like. man. It's great. Uh, Universal has also announced premiere dates for two DreamWork movies, Distant and uh, Easter Sunday, as well as Abilene Entertainment's The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Distant, sure. Uh, Distant will open on March 11th. Easter, Easter Sunday will open on April 1st and is only wide release currently dated. And The Last Voyage of the Demeter uh, will debut on January 27th of 2023 and is also the only wide release date for that weekend. So, hmm. Yeah. For now. For now, (laughs) things change all the time. All right. Now, I know Emily is super pumped about this story, and this one is crazy to me, but let's go with it. You guys remember back in 2017 when NBC canceled Timeless after, like, one season, and then all of a sudden just said, oh, wait, hold up, we made a mistake, and they reversed the decision days later because the fans went crazy and were like, hey, we love this show, we want to see a second season. Okay, well, apparently... They're thinking about doing the same thing for Manifest. As you guys know, they canceled Manifest, right? The high-concept drama with a passionate fan base, just like Time and Lucifer and all, and all these people that have all these fan bases, right? Well, apparently a month after the missing plane drama was axed by NBC, after three seasons... Netflix, they tried there, and apparently Netflix chose not to pick it up, even though it's like the number one show on their streaming service right now. Huge on there. But they opted not to pick it up. Well, now, NBC, after seeing the success that it's had on Netflix and seeing how popular it is, apparently NBC is in conversations with Manifest Studio, Warner Brothers TV, about possibly renewing it. Oops. Hold on. We made a mistake. Sorry. Oh, yeah. But now... What makes that also intriguing is that Netflix, who passed on it when they heard that NBC might want it back, <laughs> Netflix said, no, hold up, maybe we do want it. So now they're both bidding on it with Warner Brothers Television to try to get the fourth season. Now, here's the interesting part, though, why this is going to be more difficult. The cast was recently released from their, from their uh, options, from their holding. So they're no longer signed to the show, which means if you do 
work out a contract to bring it back for a fourth season again. You're going to have to work out all new contracts with the cast, who I'm sure will demand more money. Oh, now. yeah. For so, sure. Yeah. So there you go. And get this. I, I also read that the Save Lucifer fans, mm-hmm. which was massively popular to get Lucifer on Netflix, have started a campaign to save Manifest. Damn. So if you got the Lucifer people behind you, it's going to work. Right. Now we'll just see where – does it go back to NBC or does it go on Netflix? Oh, man. We'll see. Very interesting. Well, NBC is not moving forward in its ensemble drama pilot at that age, created and directed and based on an original idea by Malcolm B. Lee, uh, director of the current box office champ Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, Sources say the options on the cast include Adrian Holmes, Nicole Ari Parker, Brad James, Jade Ethy, and I mean so many more were coming up in July 31st, prompting Mm. the network to make a decision quickly. Uh, Universal Television, which produced the pilot, is shopping it to other networks, while the actors are still under deals. But yeah, but July 30th, you, like yeah, you have them under contract for one more week. Who the fuck are you shopping it to? Good like, luck, bro. Yeah, right? Uh, speaking of, like I said, Dick Wolf Network, uh, NBC's Chicago Med has upped Steven Weber to see. Yeah, we love Steven Weber uh, to series regular. The news comes after the explosive season six finale in May that saw Weber's power hungry Dean continue to dangerously bend the rules to suit his agenda. Now, additionally, two new doctors are joining Gaffney Chicago Medical Center as well, as Guy Lockhart and Kristen Hager have landed series regular roles on the Dick Wolf produced procedural which returns for its seventh season this fall. The new cast additions follow the shocking departures of Yaya DaCosta and Tori DeVito, of which we told you about leaving the show at the end of last season. Lockhart will apparently portray Dr. Dylan Scott, who left a career as a Chicago police officer to become a doctor. Whether the doctor has any connections to that other Chicago show, Chicago PD, we don't know yet. Hager is going to play Dr. Stevie Hammer, a brilliant and scrappy emergency room attending physician. Brilliant and scrappy. That sounds like a certain fella on The Resident. Mm. Hmm. Very interesting. Hmm. Uh, the game show version <laughs> of the classic video game, uh, Frogger, has found 80s. in minutes. Uh, Damian Wayans Jr. will serve as host of the series, which will feature contestants playing a role of Frog in the video game and attempting a series obstacle filled crossings. NFL Network's Kyle Brandt will serve as Wayans' co host. Peacock's first original competition series, Frogger, will have its players dodging cars and jumping over open maws of uh, presumably not real alligators and hippos as they try to compete for a $100,000 prize. The series is based on a long-lived video game. Everybody knows that they love it, uh, which has spawned more than 30 titles since its introduction back in 1981 as an arcade console. It's still a very interesting show, and I don't see it being on long because people might die. If it's real alligators, I think it'd be far more entertaining if it was real alligators yeah. and hippos. But I'm just gonna I wanna see them dodge cars. It's gonna be scary. Like that's that the the game was fun though. I'm not gonna lie. As an eleven year old kid just it was fun. It was fun. It's gonna be scary. I know, I'm old. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're now jumping over to Sony, and it's not Spider-Man related. Woohoo! Apparently, a television series based on the life of Malcolm X is in the works at Sony Pictures Television TriStar. The series will be based on the novels X, a novel, and The Awakening of Malcolm X, both of which were co-written by Malcolm's daughter, Alicia Shabazz. 
X, a novel, follows Malcolm's life from his childhood, including his father being lynched and his mother being institutionalized against her will, up to his imprisonment at the age of 20. Wow. The awakening of Malcolm X picks up during his time in prison when he decided to join the Nation of Islam, ultimately emerging as uh, from incarceration as Malcolm X. So it's going to take those two novels, kind of merge them together and make this series. So that sounds... I, I mean, I'm all in. Everything that I've ever seen, you know, interpreted... You know, into any film or television about Malcolm X has been good. Agreed. So I'm, I'm in. And I mean, this is American history, so we all need to sit down and watch this one because, I mean, this guy was an entrepreneur in the sense of equal rights and all this stuff. So, I mean, this is definitely necessary. And definitely check out One Night in Miami if you haven't seen it also because that's great. all about Malcolm X when he's trying to recruit Muhammad Ali into yeah. um, the, the Islam uh, faith. So, it's fantastic fucking movie just if you haven't seen it watch it agreed now heading over to mgm abby quinn will star in the upcoming blumhouse and epics movie set in nashville opposite of shiloh fernandez and joshua leonard they joined previously announced uh, alexis lemire and katie seagal in the film uh, which has a working title as uh, tattered hearts hmm. the movie centers uh, on a promising up-and-coming country duo who seek out the uh, crazy mansion of their idol, who is played by Seagal, a former country music star and Music City royalty turn recluse. Now, what starts out to be a friendly visit develops into a twisted series of horrors forcing the friends to confront the lengths that they will go to to realize their dream. Quinn will star as Jordan, a singer and guitarist, and one of the, uh, the half of the music duo. Hmm. Very interesting. That does sound interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's funny that that was sandwiched in between Malcolm X and now this story. Right. Whoopi Goldberg and Danielle Deadweiler will star in Chiona Chiwook's upcoming film, Till, about Mamie Till Mobley's fight for justice for her 14-year-old son, Emmett Lewis Till. Now, Deadweiler will portray Mamie Till Mobley, while Goldberg is set to play Till's grandmother, Alma Carthen. Goldberg is also serving as an executive producer on the project for MGM's Orion Pictures, alongside Keith Bochamp, Barbara Brockle, and Thomas Kane Levine. Um, Till chronicles Mamie's decision to have an open casket at Emmett's funeral, and to allow Jet Magazine to publish David Jackson's funeral photos in order to ensure people everywhere saw the true horrors of her son's murder. The decision from the grieving mother was a galvanizing moment that led to the creation of the civil rights movement. Um, if you guys don't know the story of Emmett Till, shame on you, first of all. But it's it's the teenager who was accused of whistling at a white woman and was lynched and brutally beat to death. Yeah. Um, it, it, watch this one. Yeah. Seriously. Watch this one. Talk about American history. Uh, heading over to Lionsgate. This next one I'm super pumped about because it's happening. It really is. We're here, man. They have picked <laughs> up the world rights to Kevin Smith's Clerks 3, the long freaking waited sequel to the indie film cult yes. classic smith wrote the script and will direct with all major cast members uh returning including uh jeff anderson as randall brian o'halloran as dante jason muse as jay smith as silent bob himself and rosario dawson yes. as becky uh clerks three is in pre-production in new jersey and will begin production in august with uh liz destro and 
Jordan Mon- Monsastra- Monstrato uh, <laughs> producing. Yes, that uh, guy. Yes. So I'm pumped about that. Oh, man. What? Yeah. Okay. So now this next one, apparently Tom Cruise, Sean Penn, they both don't like that COVID shit. They don't want it around on their sets. But they have very different approaches, apparently. Do you remember Tom Cruise going batshit crazy, that rant video, right? Threatening people and stuff. Well, Sean Penn has a different approach. He has basically uh, set an ultimatum on the set of his upcoming Star's Watergate series, Gaslit. Either the entire cast and crew receive their vaccines or he's not returning to work. Period. I'm not coming back until all of y'all prove it. Now, although NBC Universal's Gaslit Studio imposed mandatory vaccines for Zone A cast and crew members um, and provided an on-site vaccination clinic for those involved with the production, Penn is apparently putting his foot down. Penn has also offered, get this, to facilitate the mandatory for all vaccination effort free of charge through his nonprofit organization, Community Organized Relief Effort. So not only is he demanding that you get it, but he's going to pay for it. That's hilarious. I mean, you know, that's one way to do it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Lionsgate has won an auction and is paying just under $2 million for Black Collar, a heist thriller pitch to be written by William N. College and produced by Kenya Barris uh, through his Calipo Inc. Society banner. Uh, Lionsgate took it off the table as bidders were circling. They were like sharks. Uh, <laughs> it is one of the most biggest pitch deals of the year. Specific plot is under wraps, but this is a globe-trotting suspense action heist adventure said to be reminiscent of the height or the hits like Thomas the Crown Affair and uh, Inside Man, but with hmm. a fresh contemporary way of a timely theme. So very interesting concept, especially very interesting like things to compare it to. So oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, this next one could have huge ramifications for uh, the industry. I'm just going to say it flat out because there's a lot of shady accounting that has been called out on numerous shows and films where creators felt like they were robbed of their money so this could potentially be huge amc networks has apparently reached a 200 million dollar settlement with frank darabont and caa in the long-running profit participation lawsuit over the walking dead the deal calls for amc networks to pay darabont and and caa a total of 200 million dollars they will continue to receive a share of future profits from the streaming deals tied to the walking dead and the spinoff, Fear the Walking Dead. But now for all the other Walking Dead-related content that came after that, the settlement buys out their rights to that. So they're only going to receive profits from the original flagship, Walking Dead, and from Fear the Walking Dead. But still, this is huge, because it's been going on for like basically since the second season of The Walking Dead, right. where Darabont figured out they were keeping money from him, and they were selling shit left and right, the fear conventions and t-shirts and merchandise and all this money, and he wasn't getting shit, and they were hiding it. But so there's apparently a lot of that. We talk about this on the show a lot. A lot of that going on on different shows and, and different films and stuff. Uh-huh. So the fact that the court sided in favor, this could be potentially really bad for some shows that were hiding some money. Right. Just saying. Goodness we're going to keep an eye on that for sure. Hell yeah. Heading over to Netflix, Anthony Mackie and David Harbour and Jaya Dalalo Winston will star in Netflix's upcoming family adventure, We Have a Ghost. Uh, the movie, written and directed by Christopher Landon from Freaky and Happy Death Day, also stars uh, Tig Narto and Jennifer Coolidge. 
Village. Uh, we Have a Ghost is adapted by Golf Menga's short story, Ernest, about a young man named Kevin, who's going to be played by Winston, whose family finds a ghost named Ernest, who's going to be played by Harbor, uh, haunting their new home. Discovering Ernest turns Kevin's family into an overnight social media sensation. But when Kevin and Ernest go rogue to investigate the mystery of Ernest's past, they become a target by the CIA. Oh. What? <laughs> Whoa. That seems kind of harsh. Right? There's a lot happening there. there but, I mean, was... Anthony Mackie and David Harbour, I think that's going to be hilarious. Oh, what? Yeah. I mean, without doubt. Uh, let's see. Babic and Vari, the BAFTA-winning director. BAFTA, that's the British Academy Awards, guys. Uh, the BAFTA-winning director of critically acclaimed horror Under the Shadow has apparently assembled an all-star cast for his next project, Netflix's neo-noir thriller, I came by. Mm. George McKay from 1917, Kelly McDonald from Train Spotting, and Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey lead the cast alongside Purcell Ascot from The Innocents and Vardana Sethu from Hard Sun. Now, apparently, I Came By follows a rebellious young graffiti artist who targets the homes of the wealthy elite, but discovers a shocking secret that leads him on a journey, endangering himself and those closest to him. I'm wondering if the secret is he's wealthy. Right. Like, like maybe shit. he finds out, like, wait a minute, I'm rich. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm just throwing that. I have actually no idea. That's right. just, just a thought. Uh, Michelle McGonaghan uh, will play <laughs> twins in Netflix's upcoming limited series, Echoes. Uh, picked up straight to series last month. The seven-episode show is described as a mystery thriller about two identical twins, Lini and Gina, who, since they were children, have secretly swapped lives, uh, culminating in double life as adults. Uh, they share two homes, two husbands, and a child, but everything in their perfect choreographed world is thrown into disarray when one of the sisters goes missing. Now, Lini is the sister who is content to stay home marry the childhood sweetheart raise her daughter and help run a beautiful horse farm where everyone lives together rooted in their shared history but gina is the rebellious sister that turned her back on all and escaped to los angeles where she quickly rose to fame writing a dark undertow that informed her southern childhood that sounds deep there's a lot happening so they were like swapping and interchanging with each other like their whole lives right that's creepy as fuck that is creepy uh, okay. and like whose child is it that's the real yeah question. right whose like, child is it yeah michelle monion she's gonna be fantastic in i that, agree though. I, I mean i i love her that's not the only oddly enough that's not the only twin story movie that we'll be talking about either no. we got another one coming up uh let's see netflix also announced that their brand new cherry flavor will premiere august 13th the eight episode limited series follows a filmmaker who heads to hollywood in the early 90s to make a movie but instead tumbles down the rabbit hole of sex magic revenge and kittens <laughs> what what okay starring ross salazar rosa salazar katherine keener eric lang jeff ward manny natito um and daniel doherty brand new Cherry Flavor is executive produced by showrunners Nick Estanza and Lenore Zion. That sounds 
interesting. Right? <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say about Sex that Sex and kittens. Um, what? A- Amazon's I Know What You Did Last Summer series is taking a modern take on the 1997 slasher. Uh, set to debut in October, setting the scene for Halloween this year. There's going to be a lot of good Halloween-themed mm. movies coming mm-hmm. out. Uh, the series has the same premise as the movie adaptation in a town full of secrets, a group of teenagers who are stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident happened on their graduation night yes so just like the movie just like the damn movie but i love the movie i just hope we see a cameo by the original movie stars that would be awesome jennifer love you uh tommy martinez emily rudd and udo kier are set for recurring roles in season two of amazon prime's conspiracy thriller drama uh the hunters you remember that i love that one with pacino and stuff uh the plot for season two is apparently being kept under wraps as are Martinez, Rudd, and Clear's characters. Now, the first season of Hunters, as you guys know, fouled a diverse band of Nazi hunters living in 1977 New York City. The Hunters, as they're known, have discovered that hundreds of high-ranking Nazi officials are living among us and conspiring to create a Fourth Reich in the United States. And the first season's brilliant, highly acclaimed. I I mean, Logan Lerman and Pacino and uh, a bunch of other people. So it's going to be interesting to see... I guess they're switching premises in the second season, maybe. I don't right. know. So that'll be interesting. If like, Is it going to be like an American Horror Story thing where every season is a different story? Right. That'd be interesting. Very, very. Uh, Gavin Casalegno uh, <laughs> has been tapped to lead in Amazon's young adult drama, The Summer I Turned Pretty. Oh. Uh, Gavin will star alongside Lola Tung and Christopher Brini in the television adaptation of Jenny Han's novel. He will play Jeremiah, a popular, athletic, playful, and easygoing character who is the life of the party, incredibly uh, magnetic, and flirts with everyone. Mm. Now, the multi-generational drama hinges on a love triangle between one girl and two brothers. Never good. The Never good. The ever-evolving relationship between the mothers and their children and enduring the power of strong female friendship. It's a coming-of-age story. Story, uh, about first love, first heartbreak, and the magic of that one perfect summer. Mm. Tongue plays Belly, who used to be a gawky and awkward person, but this summer she turned 16 and starts to turn some heads. Oh! <laughs> now it's taken some getting used to, but Brenny plays uh, Conrad Fisher, a boy she's loved forever who is now paying attention to her. Oh. Uh, Rachel Blanchard and uh, Jackie Chung, who plays Susanna and Laurel, respectively, are also series regulars. So. That's so shitty. Like she, She's like kind of homely, and, and she's so in love with the guy, and he just doesn't have anything. And now she's good looking, and he's like, oh, hey. Right. That's so fucked up. It is. <sighs> Amazon has ordered a series adaptation of Neil Gaiman's fantasy novel, Anasi Boys, the author is writing the six-episode limited series with British comedy legend Sir Lenny Henry. Shooting will begin on the series in Scotland later this year. Now, Anasi Boys fouls Charlie Nancy, a young man who is used to, uh, used to being embarrassed by his estranged father. But when his father dies, Charlie discovers that his father was Anansi, trickster god of stories, and he learns that he has a brother. Now his brother, Spider, is entering Charlie's life, determined to make it more interesting, but making it a lot more dangerous. Mm. Oh, the trickster god of stories. Yeah. 
Hmm. Okay. Uh, Loki. Uh, Michael Chernis has signed on to star alongside Rachel Wise and the Dead Ringer series. Currently in the works at Amazon, the series was announced at the streaming service in August 2020 with a straight-to-series order, and it's a modern update on the 1988 David uh, Cronenberg mm-hmm. film of the same name. The series version will see uh, Wise play the double lead role of Elliot and Beverly Mantle. Twins, <laughs> twins who share everything drugs lovers and unapologetic desires to do whatever it takes including pushing the boundaries on medical ethics and in an effort to challenge antiquated practices and bringing women's health care to the forefront now uh sureness uh, will play tom a brilliant scientist who is working with elliot on a project that is groundbreaking and hopefully will bring some new things to the table the the film was creepy as fuck yeah. so if the series is anything like it it's gonna be cool uh let's see jumping to apple america ferrera has been cast in the apple series we crashed which tells the story of the rise and fall of we work ferrara joins previously announced cast members jared leto and hathaway and kyle marvin now the series as we told you before is based on the wondery podcast of the same name it is described as following the greed-filled rise and inevitable fall of WeWork, one of the world's most valuable startups and the narcissists whose chaotic love made it all possible ferrara will play the role of elisha kennedy a brilliant young entrepreneur seduced into joining WeWork, whose life is turned upside down as a result mm. And Emmy Award-winning nominee Philippa So has joined the cast of the Apple TV series Shining Girls, based on the 2013 best-selling novel by Laura Dubuque. Uh, there's no D in that name. In the series regular role, <laughs> So will portray the intelligent, sure-footed uh, Jen Shook, who works in a research development at Alder Palantrium, uh, Planetarium. Uh, she will star opposite of Elizabeth Moss, who portrays a Chicago reporter who survived a brutal assault, only to find her reality shifting as she hunts down her attacker. Mm. The star-stubbed cast includes Wagner Mora, played in Narcos, and a, a role of Dan, veteran journalist, uh, breaking and winding story of a copycat attack. Jamie Bell also stars as Harper, a mysterious loner with a surprising connection to Moss's Kirby. Damn. Right? That's a, so that's, much crazy shit. Oh, Philippa Sue. You had me at Philippa Sue, though. Exactly. Eliza! I, know. I mean, she, I love her. She's so fantastic. Hell yeah. Woo, that was loaded. Yeah, man. Sorry about that. I mean, there was just so much going on. So, of course, you guys know if it's going down in Hollywood, we're talking about it. Hell yeah. But the time is finally here. What you have been waiting for. David Cade coming on the show to talk about Lane Skeeb. He's playing Bugsy Siegel in this film. And it's a very interesting, interesting way he approached it. You're going to hear all about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you might hear a great fart story. Yeah, right. (laughs) What what am I even talking about? You have to listen to find out. Exactly, exactly. Well, here he is. David Cade, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. How are you tonight? I'm great, buddy. Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. We are super stoked. You have Logan just, I, I can't even tell you. You can't see him, but he's so excited because he's all up into the gangster stuff. So, man, we're so pumped to talk to you about Langsky. I love it. Let's do it, man. Definitely, definitely. But before we deep dive into that, what we like to do is introduce you to the listeners a little bit. This podcast is branded as like a one-stop shop of helping young up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry. So we love telling the backstory a little bit. So what is your backstory? 
story. How did you get into it? Was it something you always wanted to do or did you just kind of fall into it? So basically for me, I guess like my first interest in performing came from being a class clown, right? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. always, always cracking jokes, always get in trouble, always, you know, getting kicked out of class. I was, I was that guy. And um, later on when, you know, my family hit some financial hard times, we used to watch movies on the weekends instead of having childcare. My dad would basically like set us up in his office and he would go to Blockbuster and get like five movies a piece. And I'd spend two days back to back in a law office just watching film. And we didn't have any real barrier to what we could watch, like our movies or PG-13. And I was like, we just watched whatever the hell we wanted. Mm -hmm. And I got a real fascination uh, with cinema and filmmaking and eventually acting. So as I got older, um, I uh, wanted to start being an actor. And the only thing that uh, I had in proximity, because I'm from Minnesota mm -hmm. originally, um, the only thing I had in proximity was these like school plays. Mm. And I didn't even know, and they were basically musicals. Now, I had never sung a musical. <laughs> I you know what I'm saying? Like I had not been in choir. And I remember I went to the music teacher and like, I had a thing for like alternative metal. Like that, I loved like singing like Deftones. And Hell yeah. Absolutely. So I felt like, right. So I felt like I could probably sing, but I'd never really done it. So I remember going in for my first audition and I went to the choir teacher and I said, I don't know how to read music, but I can make this sound. I can make the note if you help me like do it. Right. And she goes, well, let's see what, let's see what you can do. And I remember she worked her hands up the scale and if she worked her hands up the scale, she goes, oh, well, you're a tenor. And I, oh, what's that? <laughs> right. And, and anyway, so I had my first audition. I ended up doing some plays in school. And then um, the other thing that I did was I wrestled. So I basically either wrestled or was in theater constantly. And I had two scholarships. I had one for wrestling. I had one for acting. Nice. And I inevitably chose the one for acting. Mm -hmm. um, I went to the College of Santa Fe for a year. I dropped out. I went to the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, where I got my first gig, which was an extra role on Gus Van Sant's Milk. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, not bad for day one. Right? No, right. not bad, man. <laughs> Um, and I had this little standard waiter extra gig. And I remember I was so bored in between the setups that I started going and talking to the other extras who were supposed to be the patrons of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was an over eager theater student and I went to each table and I'd go, um, I go, how's the, how was the wine tonight? He's like, that's great. Yeah, actually that's a chef specialty. We love rolling that out on August. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, how about, you know what? The tiramisu is to die for. How about I go get you some of that? Would you like your fork? Okay. And I'm just playing around. And, uh, the first AD takes notice of me, brings me up to Gus and is like, check out this kid. And um, Gus ended up giving me some dialogue opposite of uh, Tony Award winning Steve Spinella. Oh, yeah. Wow. Right? So that was my first little bump up. And then, uh, funny enough, I got recruited to be in a band in LA. Nice. And uh, that's what got me out here. And then um, I just continued grinding, 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 grinding wow. ever since. Uh, yeah. Uh, so many things in that little story right there. I know. My I'm sorry. Goodness. I rambled too long. No, no. <laughs> that was fantastic. One, the escapism, right? I, I mean, that I think what all filmmakers go into is is to create that escape for people, to, to get away from reality of whatever's going on in their life and be able to dive into it like that. So the fact that yeah. you did that is just fantastic. And Blockbuster. We're, not, we're, we're going to avoid the fact that you called out your age by saying you went to Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay so existed, man. i was right there with you my man right there with yeah. you <laughs> so that's yeah. fantastic 
And the second thing that jumps out at me right there is being eager on set, right? Because we all hear, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. We're filmmakers, so we know you. We, we know the, the, the pressure of the people during the setup, and you're just, be here by this time, and then you sit around for hours waiting for you to do whatever sure. you're supposed to do. So the fact that you're eager and, and take initiative and move around the set, that is so fantastic to hear because I think that's so important to be able to do, man. Yeah, I think it's good to be able, you know, to to fill the space in between. Um, you know, it, it amazes me how many actors I work with who are in better positions than me, even they, they don't necessarily like being on set or they're burnt out, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I really love the, I mean, certainly you could be on a bad set. I'm not gonna say that's never happened. Sure. But, but it's ultimately like, it's an, ex, it's, it's an expression of creativity. It's this ability to mingle with a bunch of people. It's kind of, it is kind of like a summer camp when you're, out there in the trenches and trying to create something. And um, I find that the more I can be sort of um, loose and playful and, um, you know, it keeps me present in a way uh-huh. and it allows some spontaneity to happen in the work. You know, sometimes it takes me when you first get on set, I'm a little stiff because mm. you're it's a new environment and you got to kind of ease up. And I find some of my best work comes when uh, I'm just able to trust the process and be there and be having fun. And the camera goes and it's a it's a simple pivot into the character as opposed to pushing it too much. Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. And I mean, coming from a theater background, do you find yourself? liking working in front of a camera more rather than performing for the back row or is it kind of vice versa do you still kind of miss theater a little bit i miss theater i mean i love them both it's it's really about you know it's, it's an apples and oranges thing hell yeah you know? right so like you know being on that stage there's there's that immediacy and there's the camaraderie between you and the actors that you have to have to mm-hmm. pull that off and there's a lot of immediacy that's really great um being on film is this whole other thing Mm -hmm. which is you know creating those moments and having those nuanced things really pop and um you know it's just a different skill set oh definitely definitely and i completely understand i was in theater in high school as well i was rolf in the sound of music i like to tell everybody that (laughs) my man (laughs) so you know you know i'm right there yeah totally before he became a gangster yeah before i (laughs) became a gangster well you know you know you have levels to everything that's right that's right gangster and then you run a, a money laundering shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Through a performing arts center. Like, you know. I That's mean. right. Hey, hey. Yeah. And, and we need to know. I mean, the, the other question left is, whatever happened to the band, man? <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, so I first got out in the band, and uh, it was uh, it was called Eclipse. Okay. It was a boy band. Oh, oh boy. Okay. So a tenor in the boy band. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was supposed to be like the bad boy of the group. Oh, um, and then I was out there. I did that for about six months, and I, here, here was where it ended. So, falling upon the first day on milk, right? Right. I get on. I remember my first day on milk. I met Sean Penn. Mm. And um, he was introduced to me. He was introduced to me as Harvey for mm-hmm. one. Um, and he was introduced to me. And I remember being so shy and like my face turning red. It was the first <laughs> time I'd really been in front of somebody that I like really appreciated. Right. right? By extension, six months later, or not six months later, six months after joining the band, I'm in uh, Millennium Dance Studio, which is a very popular studio out here in Hollywood for right. creating that next generation of dancers and pop artists. And I'm doing my rehearsal and I, can I swear? Cause I, yes. Oh yeah, man, for go for it. Right. it. I fucking hate dance. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
And I just remember, you know, I would go there and again, I was a wrestler, so I'm athletic and I can move, but it's just a different. Oh yeah. Um, and I never really had an interest in it. And, and so I remember we were, um, we'd wrapped up session. We were in the back parking lot and there was a ton of paparazzi around and there was a big black Lincoln navigator and there's paparazzi everywhere. And there's a line outside. And I'm like, boys, I'm like, what, uh, what's, uh, what's going on? What's happening? And they're like, Oh my God, Britney Spears is here. She's practicing with her dance coach. Oh shit. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. All right. Uh, good for her. All right, cool. I'm out of here. Like, <laughs> right. Like, whatever. We, they're like, we have to wait. We have to watch her leave millennium walk across the parking lot get into her car because they wanted to see her they were fans right and in that moment i realized this isn't like a judgment i get about who they're fans of versus who i'm a fan of right like, I, we're all fans i just realized i wasn't a fan of pop so i think I think that at that moment, I realized that the attention I was giving to this thing was attention that could otherwise be redistributed to what I loved, mm -hmm. you know? Definitely. And that's, um, and I just doubled down on what I was doing. And that's when I started getting some credits and moving the needle a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. Nice. Yeah. And they changed their name to Partial Eclipse. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, let's get into it, man. The big one I'm so super excited to talk about because you play one of the Infamous Bugsy Siegel, Benny Bugsy Siegel, in the new movie Lansky about Meyer Lansky, notorious gangster. Man, I'm super pumped about this one because, I mean, this is basically laying the groundwork for organized crime. There was crime, and then these four guys came involved, and then there's organized crime. They completely yeah. made a whole freaking empire. So let's start at the very beginning. How did you find out about it, and what was the audition process like? So I originally found out about the project through a producer who I knew who had the script mm -hmm. and I asked him to send the script. I want to say it was like in December of 2018 or something like that. It was mm -hmm. early on and I read it. And I came back and I said, yo, who is playing Bugsy? And they were like, somebody else, not you. And I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> okay. So they already had another actor attached. Well, they were supposed to go into production um, a, a, a fair amount of time later. They're supposed to get, go into production and they got backed up. Right. And when they got backed up, they lost that actor. Mm -hmm. So then it became uh, a duel between, you know, me and whoever else was fighting for it. No to shit. Get that part. So <laughs> I sent in multiple auditions. I wrote a letter to the director i offered to fly to new york um i put my 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 hat in everywhere i could they were vacillating between me and somebody else mm -hmm. um and uh and i ended up edging it out very freaking nice man and i mean doing yeah. our research on you i could tell that you did your research on him like going back so far as to where how he felt about his mother and how he felt about his taylor father and how he got the name the nickname bugsy because of his eyes and all this yeah. stuff so you really took a real interest in this guy so what was that like were you always like a mafia fan because for some reason in america and kind of all over the world the mafia is kind of pop culture and i mean everybody has a little bit of interest in it so was that how it was for you i think well so when i was a kid i read all the mobster books mm -hmm. i had the the there's like this big book there's this book called um what was it called it was something about like you know all of the great mobsters in american history mm -hmm. right sort of an encyclopedia of mobsters and stuff so i had uh i had a mobster enthusiasm as a kid i obviously loved mobster movies in fact i'm Casino is one of my favorite movies. Of oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. Right. Like that's a, that's close to a perfect film for me. And, um, um, I think that I just recognized too, the opportunity 
in that role for me. I mean, I've really spent the last few years trying to take really interesting parts mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and season into the older actor and established talent that I really want to be. And, 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 you know, there's only so many people who've played Bugsy Siegel. Right. Exactly, man. And, and there's right? some significant names, my friends. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, the, and he's, and he's an archetype of a character. So I wanted to have an opportunity to play that kind of larger than life character and, um, and, give myself that opportunity and i also just i was i was i love mobster movies but i was also just very interested in him mm-hmm. um, yeah you know i thought i could bring something unique to that part given my background and given my interest in him so i guess that's really where well and i, I, and I love it. that you know because the mafia has always deeply been intertwined with entertainment as well right the giancanas and the and the infatuation yeah. and and mystery around the death of Marilyn and, and you know they yeah. all and frank sinatra god bless him will blue eyes i mean they've all been kind of yeah. Intertwined for so long, so it makes sense that it's it's in there in in pop culture and kind of ingrained in this thing. And and kudos to you, man. The one thing that just stuck out to me right there that you said is you know knowing your place, knowing where you want to be as an actor, and get, and taking roles to get you to that spot. Because sometimes I feel like a lot of actors that are that are new in the industry or even that have been around in the industry for a little bit, they don't understand the process of there's a place that you want to try to get to, right? You've got to know your niche. You gotta you gotta know your character and what you want to do as an actor and and i feel like sometimes they don't get there so to know that and to be working towards that that's great man that's so outstanding to hear well thanks man that, i mean look that takes time right because it does i started from that blue collar mentality of like you know work begets work so yep. just work and i finally got myself into a position in my late 20s where like i realized i wasn't just going to be able to audition myself into my career mm-hmm. that's a element of what i do but you know i also started writing and i started producing and I started trying to understand more about the business and trying to, you know, get myself involved in different ways and, and, uh, and being more specific about the parts that I was going to take. Um, and even if they were smaller parts in bigger movies, you know, and, and just bringing something unique to that because ultimately it's not where I'm at right now or mm-hmm. necessarily getting that huge paycheck right now. It's about what are you saying about who you're going to be 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and make that lasting career. Mm. I love that. I mean, that's really deep. Everybody should take a little note off of that one right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, man. look, I mean, you know, and you, listen, you got to pay bills. You got kids. There's things that pop up. I get that. But, you know, I try really hard to make sure that at this point, what I'm doing speaks to who I believe myself to be and what I want mm, down the line. You right. Know? And if it's not in line with that, I, I really question it. And it's all about learning and growing, man. It, like, like you said, you know, you, you, you learned a little bit about the business side. And I mean, if you stop learning, if you stop growing, you're kind of done. You, so you've always got to be thinking five years ahead, ten years ahead. And you've got to learn everything that you can learn with every opportunity. And I mean, come on, being on a set with somebody like Sean Penn and then jump into freaking Harvey Keitel and Sam Worthington oh. and, and these names, you're going to learn something. It doesn't matter what you are on yes. that set. You're going to learn yeah. something, right? Constantly, constantly. Whether yeah. you're an actor or a writer, it's just, you know, you just, you're always pivoting and growing in everything you're doing. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and yeah, Whew. I know. And getting prepared for the role, did you? go back and watch any of the other Bugsy performances obviously Warren Beatty and then the film uh, Mobsters with like Christian Slater and uh, Patrick Dempsey Richard Grieco yes yeah. yes <laughs> oh, Booker. Grieco. oh Booker the other 21 Jump Street guy <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> I did. I watched, so I watched Greco, I watched Warren, and I watched 
Um, oh, forgive me. I can't remember his name. He's the kid on Boardwalk Empire. Uh, I know oh, yeah, yeah. About, yeah. He played a, he played Bugsy. Yeah, I watched everybody. I took notes on what I thought, you know, they had done. If I'm honest, and that's not to put anybody else down, but I thought I was going to bring something a little different than, than some of those other performances. Absolutely. I think it's real easy for people to take Ben and, you know, just make him charming or just make him sociopathic. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really interested in making him as human as possible mm, and going, you know, how does a how does a man become capable of that kind of murder? Mm-hmm. And and also go home and kiss his wife on the mouth and, you know, and, and hang out with his daughters and tell his daughters not to smoke because he thinks it's unbecoming of a lady, which he did. Yeah. Right. You know, who is that man? Who is the man who wakes up and gets his workout and his tan and goes to the YMCA and then also may very well uh, shoot you in the head and be home before dinner. Time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my right. Goodness. It's like there's so <laughs> So much to that. So I, I really, I really saw everybody else's performance as a reference point, and then I really let it go. Yeah, completely agreed. I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, you can see what they did good, but then you're like, but I think I want to make a little twist to that, or I think I want to add something a little bit more. Like you said, I think that is just phenomenal, especially for a real life person. What does that do to an actor? Does that add any extra pressure? on to you being a real life person oh uh, yeah and no yes and no um because you know on the one hand the script no matter the script has its own version of bugsy no matter what I right to it, right right and so in some ways it's still a character like any other character i just i guess the benefit is that and he's not still alive right like if i was playing ben siegel and he was still alive <laughs> oh yeah he would he would probably like try to you find the saying? set like yeah oh yeah, yeah. Like, i'm hiding my address and put up a PO box. <laughs> hell yeah like don't go to vegas like <laughs> don't go to vegas right i will not be staying at the flamingo hell no, but hell I, no. <laughs> I think that i think that given the nature you know it's a, he's a historical figure and the script has its own life it, it's really nice that i could call upon historical facts about him mm-hmm. and not it's almost like I, I could be informed about the character but i'm also living kind of a separate life from the character just by the nature of the script right and um and yeah so i i felt i felt like i had a lot of liberty yeah. Experiment. Well, Although I will say I got a compliment this last weekend. Okay. Okay. I went to the Mob Museum for a screening of the film in Las Vegas. They were very kind to have us out to screen the film. The Mob Museum, for anybody who doesn't know, is this beautiful old courthouse in down in old Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And in the last ten years, they put together this amazing museum, and it's very. Uh, intricate. It's really well done. It's three levels of all the mob history and talking about how they made money and the old timers and prison stints and what it was. It's really phenomenal what they've done. And the head of it is a mob historian obviously and they have him on a lot of history channel and they have him on a lot of shows anyway he came up to me and said i gotta tell you i've watched everybody he said i thought you did the best job of portraying how ben siegel probably actually was oh mm. shit <clears throat> that's nice that big, i mean that's a huge compliment yeah big compliment yeah big compliment well and I'll i think i think the reason why is because of what you said humanizing him and and bringing that to it because i feel like that's how you connect with the audience especially when you're playing a sociopath or a villain right you You've got to get the audience to somehow like this guy or care about this guy. Otherwise, there's no there's no connection. There's no point. So to make him sure. human and remind people, hey, he was a father. He did go home and kiss the girls. He was a husband. You know, 
that's the way to do it. And I think because you did that is why you got the compliment and why your portrayal is going over so well, man. No, that's great, man. Thank you. I, I hope I hope I brought some of that to it because that's definitely what the goal was. Of course, of course. And I'm just gonna let my like mobster geek flag fr- fly real quick. And if I get too far <laughs> out there, please reel <laughs> me back in. Please reel me back in. So I think it's very interesting how Lucky Luciano, Frank Costello, Bugsy Siegel, and Meyer Lenski all basically invented the national crime syndicate all together all on like one platform they were all kind of equal in some sense but like for historians sake and for like america's pop culture sake i feel like we give so much credit to italian americans and not enough credit to the jewish americans who are right behind them counting all of the italians money so i just (laughs) feel like that's so interesting on why it's like that because doing more research before we got into this I was doing more research on Meyer Lansky, and he was known as the Italian mob's accountant. But in yeah. all actuality, he was like right up there with them. I don't know. It was just so interesting to like think about. I don't. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I think I think a lot of it has to do with the fascination with the Code of Omerta. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. Right. So the the Jews had a different. You know, they it was a different thing. But when you're talking about the the Sicilians who came over and had a real quote unquote honor system from the old country, mm-hmm. um, you know, the original black hand that came over in the turn of the century and those guys, you know, there's this idea about the Italian mafia, which is the honor and the rituals and the process of crime that I think really like fascinates people. Yep. Whereas yep. the 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 Jewish mobsters were quite practical. You know? Yeah, right. They didn't, to, <laughs> they didn't have to go by, you know, these sort of honor systems and the same thing. They did business and they whatever. And I just think that they maybe get uh, a little less credit or a little less, you know, attention to them because they lack that strict code that the Sicilians had. But who knows? Who knows? Well, who knows? I'm gonna yeah. get I'm gonna give the Jewish guys some credit, okay? Because Jewish gangsters built Hollywood. All right, let let's not forget yeah, the fact that there's right. no film industry. There's no golden age of that's Hollywood. Exactly there's right. No, they. So you're exactly right. They had no code, and you didn't need a code to build Hollywood, right? (laughs) Totally, totally. In fact, it's probably preferable. Exactly. You can't lock young actresses into contracts and pay them nothing if you got a code. Totally, totally, totally. You can't do that if you're running by a code. No, no, man. So all right. So so same same with Vegas. Same with Vegas. Exactly. Exactly. For building of Las Vegas. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. But, uh, well, we're trying something new on the podcast, trying to have a little bit more fun with it, fun with our guests. And so, is there an embarrassing story that you were so embarrassed at the time, but have lived through it and are able to laugh about now that happened on set or happened on stage that you were just like terrified, mortified about, but are able to tell about it now? Oh, God. A, an embarrassing story on set or on stage. God. Know, uh, right? Let me think on that. <laughs> certainly in my personal, I'm always so terrified of getting fired, you know? Like, yeah, definitely. I try and keep the embarrassing moments to a minimum. Um, let me see. I'm just trying to think. Um, yeah, hey, you didn't walk up. That you didn't walk up to Sean Penn and call him Spicoli. So I mean, yeah, you did good. <laughs> right, did good. Good, good job right there. Yeah, solid start. I, you know what? I, I don't know if I have one that's embarrassing. I, God, I wish guys. I'm so sorry. Do you have a backup question? It's all good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. What did I do? That was really embarrassing? <laughs> what's uh, one of your most memorable moments on set? There you go. Well, um, I suppose. I suppose most recently um oh man all right so i did this movie swing yeah yeah and and that you know was a bunch of guys 
in the boat, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's Alexander Ludwig and Charles Melton and Alex McNichol and, and, and a host of us. It's a really fun film. Michael Shannon's our coach. And I remember we were shooting this scene and we had us, they had us in this giant tub that the art department had set up so that we could simulate rowing opposite of a green screen for a lot of it. A lot of it, we're actually in the water, but a lot of it, we have to shoot on the green screen. Sure. And Michael Shannon's on the boat next to us. And, uh, you know, and again, CGI whole thing, there's a green screen behind him and he's doing his lines and we're supposed to be rowing as he's doing his lines and i won't say who but as we were rowing in the boat and mike's delivering his lines one of our actors ripped the loudest fart oh no (laughs) fucking bomb Uh, right and just smash the side of that bow. I tell you what, any fart. So, and, and Mike, who is a very serious individual, <laughs> laugh, he must have laughed for like five minutes straight. Like he just was dying. It cut everything for like five minutes. They reset. It was whatever. But uh, I mean, that was great. That was pretty memorable. Hell yeah. yeah man. <laughs> I love laugh because somebody ripped a fart. Right. <laughs> so your most memorable moment had to do with someone else's most embarrassing moment. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. You yeah, see exactly. how you work so that, that together? Most embarrassing yeah. and my most memorable. You know? <laughs> Go. I well mean, I done. Suppose, I suppose I I suppose meeting Sam Worthington was really great. He mm. was really supportive. Oh yeah, um, sure. He came out and he was like why well, it was funny because he was like I came out, I said, Hey Sam, how you doing? And he goes, Oh hey Mike, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've been looking up your work, Mike. Like I've been seeing some of the stuff you've been doing, Mike. Really... I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like <"Yeah>, time <laughs> out. He's like, Yeah, you're great. I'm like, that's no, I'm not. You're awesome. That's nice. They're so nice. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. gosh. That yeah. is so cool. And then he went and he said, you know, if you guys are anything like what I was when I was your age, you're going to kill the second half of this movie. You're going to kill the, the, you know, because the movie's kind of shot in the period, in the past tense. And right. right. And he said, he said, you guys are going to kill it because I was such a monster when I was your age. That mm. I know you guys are bringing that kind of stuff to it. So that's so great. You know? I mean, so great yeah, to cool. hear too. Yeah. Humbling experience, cool. man. Um, Listen, this has been absolutely a blast. I mean, I could literally sit here and talk to you about <laughs> mafia like shit all day, bro. Like literally all day. But I mean, that just opens up the door for you to come back on the show and come back and promote anything else you have. Yeah, because you got a lot uh, going on, man. Oh my! I do. Goodness. I have I have a lot of good stuff going on right now. It's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, Zach Braff. Logan, he, he's yeah. <laughs> he's got a project oh. with Zach Braff. I know, I love Zach <laughs> yeah. Braff. Yeah, that, so that's that's called uh, Schreiber. Yeah. That's a comedy, and uh, that's a great, oh, man, that cast is banger. So that's, again, Michael Shannon, Kate Hudson, yeah. uh, Don Johnson, what? Jimmy yeah. Simpson, and Zach Braff. Hell yeah. Going to have to come that's back on one for yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, bro, you are slaying. You're killing it, man. Yeah, that's a great one, man. I end up playing uh, Mike's agent, Mike Shannon's agent in that one, and it's... It's a really fun movie. Um, it's very funny. Uh, you know, that that was a real treat to be on. So between Swing um, and that at the end of the year, it's a, it's a really great kickoff. So Oh, dude, um, yeah. Well, well we we'll will do- most definitely have to have you back on to talk about it all because, it, I mean, it's just fantastic. And you didn't know, but uh, Logan's already booking his thing to the uh, crime uh, museum or the yeah, mob exactly. museum. <laughs> <in Vegas laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm where was that? Hold on. <laughs> Yep. So I'm telling good. you, dude, it was so cool out there. I was, I did not know what to expect when I came out and I was really impressed. The great people. It's actually a great, it's actually a really cool museum. So awesome. Be a yeah. lot of fun. Learn something new every single day. Hell yeah. Well, what we like yes, to do sir. at the end of the interview is wrap up by, like we said, uh, like Logan said at the top, it's really about, so we have a lot of listeners that are up and comers and trying to break into the industry or have just broken into the industry. So we always like to ask our guests a piece of advice that you would pass along to those uh, and not necessarily acting 
advice just because, like you said, you've learned some other areas and different things. So any advice that you would have for any up-and-comers and maybe a pitfall or two to avoid when, when they're trying to do it? So I basically restarted my career at 27, 28 years old. Um, at 27, 28 years old, I, I'd always had an agent and I'd always been able to audition. And at 27 or 28, I lost my agent and manager. And for the first time, I wasn't going out for auditions. And I thought, how will I ever work? Because <laughs> nobody's going to give me a job. I can't audition and I can't, What? oh man, what's going on? Well, uh, I got really committed to making my own work. Mm-hmm. I got really committed to writing my own projects, networking my own projects, producing a film. I produced a film in 2019. Um, I learned a ton about it. Um, and um, what I can tell up and comers is that, you know, I talk to actors all the time and I'll say to them, how do you make a movie? And they'll go with a camera. And I go, uh, no, I mean, explain to me the business that you're in. How do you make a movie? Talk to me about getting the equity piece, the financing attachments, all those, you know, whatever. And people have no idea. So I guess what I would try and tell people is, you know, educate yourself about this business so that if you ever run into a tough time, you can create an opportunity for mm-hmm. yourself. And and that's the thing that, that, you know, I would really encourage artists to do. If you look at some of the big deals that are happening for talent in this town right now, they're actor, writer, producer combos. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, there is a there is a, a real hunger and thirst for ideas and people that can do them. And it's one of the better ways to keep yourself working in this town is, uh, you know, to always uh, to be able to understand all of the elements around uh making stuff absolutely so, not just acting in it i love that it's so good without doubt exactly without and it's all about social media now so where can everybody follow you because everybody should be <laughs> following you <laughs> uh yes so you can follow me at uh kate brigade nice uh, on <laughs> and on twitter all right and, uh, and i'll be happy to see you guys you know show up i'll, I'll say hi yes absolutely well and look I, i'm already thinking i know i'm just thinking we have to have you back on we do a top five segment on the show every week too and i'm thinking top five gangster films and we have to have you back on to participate <laughs> beautiful let's do it let's uh, yeah talk man, that would be man. fantastic listen man thank that. you so much for coming on this has been a really entertaining chat man and just open invite anytime you want to come back and pitch anything or just come on and shoot the shit bro we'd be happy to have you back and uh just it's been fantastic man hey buddy thank you so much dustin logan you guys are awesome yep you, you take care now we'll talk to you man all right brother talk all to right. you later see you have right. a good night so good man so freaking good i got deep i might i let I, my mobster no, flag no. fly look like. look i have no doubt that the two of you could sit down <laughs> and talk for like a gazillion hours about about it and i think it would be fantastic there might be a documentary right there right like, like seriously that. and then i could on the flip side go into about how the jews built <laughs> i know right like all of it <laughs> so entertaining and what i really like though and what's really important for all the fans to know how intelligent this man was seriously. and his his how he approaches to get things done guys i I hope you were listening because that was some seriously great advice throughout. Agreed, agreed. Thank you again, David, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for the top five segment. And oh, man, it's a great one this week, I got to say. I'm just mm. because of the hair. No, not because of the <laughs> damn hair. Uh, it's top five Brad Pitt films because yeah, he's a great damn actor. He okay. is. I like Brad Pitt. Okay. I like Brad Pitt. What's in the box? I don't know because, <laughs> because I haven't seen not... it. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe this. I cannot believe this. I know it's in the box because it was like a social media thing for like so long oh, yeah. about I mean, four it's years ago. So, so spoiled. I mean, I mean, so it's like why even watch the damn thing now? Uh, but anyway. No, you have to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's going to happen. One of these days. <laughs> uh, but yes, top five Brad Pitt films and number five for me, even though I hate 
both of them for breaking up a perfect, perfect marriage. But also, I actually really like this film. It gets a lot of heat, but I actually really love Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie kicking some asses like double agent spies who try to kill each other, but then try to get hunted down by their own spy agencies. I think it's a great concept, and uh, yeah, they look great together, sadly. Sorry, Jen. I know. Yeah, poor, I know. poor Jen. Yeah. All right. My number five is is a rollover from last week of uh, number five uh, top five uh, to Tom Cruise films. This one for top five Brad Pitt films on the list as well, Interview with the Vampire, because really you can't have that movie without one or the other of them because they star together in it as lovers. And vampires. And vampires. <laughs> So there you go. Obviously, I, I told you all about this movie last week with the with that top five. So you know what the movie's about. You know what's all. And I mean, Brad Pitt's performance and his eerily creepy fascination with a young Kirsten Dunst in there is like really creepy and makes it worth watching. Just yeah. it, it's 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 a great performance. Number five, Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, and number four for me is uh, lesser known. Not a lot of people know about it, but I mean, it's a great cast. Jason Statham, Brad Pitt, obviously, mm. but um, Snatch, where he's basically this freaking um, gypsy, just bounces around places, and he's a gypsy boxer. He can knock anybody the fuck out. He can kill him with one punch, and you don't understand a damn word he's saying, but he does it great, and if you haven't seen this movie, it's really a good watch. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I actually think uh, Don Cheadle is also in it. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, great movie. It great is movie. a great movie. My number four is also, I think, a lesser-known one that didn't get a lot of play, but I thought was one of the better dramatic roles that Brad Pitt's ever had. Um, I'm talking about Fury, mm-hmm. where he where he's like the tank commander in World War II. Um, this is an intense film with an outstanding cast, but that he leads brilliantly. It's kind of like this evolution of his character through this journey. And, and I mean, it, it's, it's an amazing story. If you like war movies and you like heavy drama and you like Brad Pitt, you need to see Fury. Agreed. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't say that enough. It's, like I said, lesser known, I feel like, but it's worth your watch if you see it. Fury. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, I mean, number three for both of us, if you're talking about the top five, don't talk about the top that's right five. we can't tell you what number three is oh, because the first rule is you can't, can't talk, talk about, about it. it oh man <laughs> but obviously his most memorable performance and we both have him at our number three spot fight club oh my god so good like, him and edward norton are just fucking so good brilliant together I in know. this it might be their best performances i'm just gonna say it. i know they're yeah. so fucking brilliant together the way they play and any movie that has Meatloaf as Bitch Tip Bob, <laughs> yeah. how can you not love it? Meatloaf as Bitch Tip Bob. Come on, man. So good. That's epic. Fight Club, I man. Gotta, I just fucking love that movie. I loved it so much that I used that um, the rules of Fight Club as a monologue for theater one time. And, oh, yeah. And the directors were like, fuck. <laughs> Who's this kid? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... Okay, so your number two, because my number three was also Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. so my number two is uh, Ocean's Eleven, because we don't like to talk about the ones after that. Uh, (laughs) Ocean's Eleven, obviously a star-stubbed cast, another Don Cheadle film with George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon. The list goes on and on, guys. Julia Roberts, like, this is such a good movie not the original frank sinatra and the rat pack but you know i mean it's a great follow-up it's a great remake and you guys know we don't like remakes but this one it's pretty damn good and like i said his chemistry with other a-list actors is like untouchable like him 
he's just amazing. And I mean, you just wait to my number one. You'll see why. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I can't argue any of what you just said. Yeah. So <laughs> my number two is – I love this movie for a gazillion different reasons. But my number two is Moneyball. I thought it's a brilliant film. It's a brilliant story of the telling of how teams were built using statistics. Uh, and and it, it's just the intricate detail of the, of the story of the Oakland A's and the different things that go through it is absolutely amazing. But then you're talking about the fucking cast. Brad Pitt, right? Jonah Hill. Philip Seymour Hoffman, God yeah. bless his soul. I mean, such a phenomenal cast it in this was. film that all play so well together. And of course, this is the film. Jonah Hill was so inspired by Brad Pitt that that's when he lost all that fucking yeah. weight and got in shape. He's like, fuck, I got to be like Brad fucking Pitt. Like, uh, so if there's the backstory behind the making of the movie that makes it awesome and everything. So how can you not like it, man? Moneyball. Agreed. Another one of those performances where they play so well off of each other. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that scene when they're in the office and they're like trying to make a trade yes and he's like telling jonah hill what to say on the phone and then jonah's like yeah, I, yeah. It's so good it's such a great it is movie. it's fantastic uh my number one this is by no surprise everybody should have known when they heard the top five brad pitt in this film so of course once upon a time in hollywood quentin tarantito's latest film adaptation of course him and leo their freaking dynamic back and forth is absolutely freaking amazing i mean Let's. I mean, <laughs> the last fight scene is mm. by far the best thing in the entire movie. But it's such a good story-driven film that's a love letter to Hollywood and the summer of love and crazy ass shit that happened that didn't need to happen, but is now like also pop culture phenomena. Um, but yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, one of my all-time favorite movies, honestly. Oh, mine too, and it would have been number one at my list if not for my number one. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know I love old Hollywood. I love the the, the culture and the story behind old Hollywood. Margot Robbie, <laughs> so Quentin Tarantino, yeah. I mean, Spencer Garrett, how can you not love the movie? It's, it's fantastic. Um, my number one, though, all-time favorite Brad Pitt movie, and it's one of my all-time favorite movies, period. Um, what's in the box? Yeah. Seven. Oh, my God. Morgan Freeman, fucking Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Spacey, who was never actually named or credited in the film as the bad guy. Oddly enough, in a weird kind of – because that was keeping of the secret of the film. You weren't ever really sure who it was. Was it Kaiser Soze? <laughs> <laughs> who is Kaiser Soze? No, wrong movie. Different movie. Seven, though, um, just fucking brilliant. About about basically this young cop who teams up with Morgan Freeman's close-to-retirement cop. Um, he's married, Gwyneth Paltrow, and they're chasing this serial killer, the seven – deadly sins and he's killing these people by using the sins against them um and kevin spacey is just fucking twisted as shit in this movie um and in real life yeah and in real life and i'm pretty sure everybody's seen it and i'm not blowing it for you because like you said it was social media everywhere you know he spacey's character basically kills brad pitt's wife gwyneth peltrow and puts her head in a box and makes him chase it down and brad morgan freeman kind of sees it and knows and brad doesn't know Nobody knows, and that's where the what's in the box, man? What's in the box? And he opens it, and it's his head, wife's head. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. But I mean, it's a brilliant fucking movie, and an unknown like I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like 
really young, if not teenager, writer just sold that script. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, it's, it's just fucking amazing backstory as to how it got made. And there's a scene in there where Brad Pitt's all of a sudden wearing a cast, and they they had to write it into the film because he actually got hurt on set. Oh, shit. So they had to write it into the film that now he has a cast. Oops. Um, Just a brilliant movie, just from filmmaking standpoint. You, I'm surprised you haven't seen it yet because – from a filmmaker standpoint, the way it's shot mm-hmm. and the editing and the cuts and everything is so good. Put it on that list of yours that your filmmaker, you know, watch. Um, yeah, it's brilliant, man. Yeah, my film lesson, my film, yes. whatever the fuck I'm doing. My right number now. one, seven. <laughs> so good, man. So good. I mean, I know everybody has a favorite Brad Pitt film. Oh yeah. So please let us know over social media, over the comment section. We love it. We love the fan interaction. And we love Brad Pitt. Uh, now heading over to the box office recap. Number one is my boy King James with Space Jam: A New Legacy. Mm-hmm. Came in at thirty-one point seven million. Have you gotten a chance to watch it yet? Uh, I have not, but it's on the agenda. Yes, it's so good, man. It's so good. So many great references for now. It's on the times. agenda for this weekend. Uh, number two, Black Widow uh, at twenty-six point three million. Number three was The Escape Room: The Tournament of Champions with eight point eight million. Number four was Fast 9, F9, with the Fast Saga, with 7.6 million. Number five was The Boss Baby, Family Business, 4.2. See, this is very interesting because, like what we were talking about, of course, the 26.3, the drastic 67% drop, right? But number one and number two were separated by less than $5 million. Yeah. And yet everybody's praising, woo, it made the Space Jam, and. It was less than $5 million apart, and it was the drastic downfall of Marvel. That's how weird the box office is right now, right? right? Like, I mean, normally a $5 million difference between number one and number two, nobody's blinking a fucking eye. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. Well, I mean, in consideration with it making almost $100 million, $80 million, I would predict it in normal times to at least make around 40 and Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, I yeah. mean, it has definitely, I think, the Disney Plus thing definitely. Oh yeah, because I think off. what the normal Marvel drop is like thirty percent from weekend one to weekend two. It's yeah. like not anywhere near sixty. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, crazy shit, man, crazy shit. But new movies coming out this weekend that you should go see: The Nest, The Man with the Answers, How It Ends, Old. Snake Eyes and Joe Bell. Yes. Just went and saw Joe Bell and Snake Eyes. Both highly recommend. You would like Snake Eyes. I mean, I know you weren't I'm that see- excited I, I know. It. I know. But I'm seeing both of them this weekend. Yeah. I'm just going to say. It was really good. It was really good. Henry Golding in the in his like first ever action role. And he did a really good job. I think this is going to really jumpstart like a new G.I. Joe franchise to make them even better. Uh, in my opinion, and like I said, I really freaking enjoyed it. I, and I'm going around seeing on social media, not a lot of people didn't enjoy it. And with Joe Bell, I just feel like that didn't get enough promotion. And it's a great freaking film, Oscar worthy, in my opinion. Mark Wahlberg just fucking knocked it out of the park. But go see that one. And the one I'm not interested in is old. The one they're on an island and they yeah. like the whole duration of their life is in a day. Yeah, they aged like rapidly or yeah. something like that. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't see the genius there. I mean, I loved The Sixth Sense, but 
he really just has not knocked it out of the park since then. Yeah. I mean, what was that one with, with uh, Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix with the aliens when they wore no. the tin? Yeah, that no, one was kind of creepy, too. That one was okay. I'll give you two. I'll give you six cents in that one. But the rest, I just I, I know. know. Let's not even talk about Avatar. I mean, you guys know I'm an anime fan, yeah. so let's yeah. not even talk about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> movies you can still go see. The Forever Purge, A Quiet Place Part 2. Road Runner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, which I heard is really good. Yep. Uh, Cruella and Pig. Oh, there you um, go. IMDb Pro top trending segment. You guys know we love this app. <laughs> it's such an amazing thing. Uh, what were we gonna say? No, I was just gonna say for like when you, when we do this segment for anybody that was worried about the sixty seven percent drop or anybody worried that Marvel was in trouble. No, no, they're not. not they're all. fucking not. No. Like, uh, obviously, top trending movie is Black Widow. Top trending TV show is Loki. And the top trending star is Florence Pugh, which is the sister, right? In Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, I think Marvel's okay. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> well, anyway, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 167 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. we got to thank our guest one more time, David Cade, for coming yes. on the show, for being such an amazing guest and helping me deep dive into my mafioso shit. We really do need to have him back on for a top five mafia movies. Agreed, That would be man. so fantastic. Agreed. Be sure to follow him on social media. He's hilarious. Cade Brigade, right? Yes. Cade Brigade. Cade Brigade. And you guys know you can follow the company and the podcast on social media, at Crazy Ant Media on all uh, social media platforms, and at ItCalf Podcast on all social media platforms. And while we're at it, you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media, myself, at Fantastic and... Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That's right. That's right. And you guys know you subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, we freaking appreciate it. Be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications and so you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing here at Crazy Ant Media and so you can see all the latest. <laughs> crazy videos but before we reflect on this episode be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear like we said at the top of the show next promotion is july 26th it's yes. going to be free shipping on literally everything we have in our shop so get it now while supplies last literally three days away so get it while you can yes um honestly man i mean the whole show it was absolutely amazing. Talking about any of the superhero stuff, that obviously, that's so fun. Marvel had a lot of good news, and Warner Brothers had a lot of good news, too. And I'm super proud of the streaming service platform, HBO Max, for finally. I mean, they're getting there, man. They're getting there. Obviously, not as much as Disney+. Plus, But, I mean, they just need more family content, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think the DC Universe stuff is going to help with it's that. It's going to. Right? That's, yeah. that's going to bring a lot to it. So I think they're going to be okay. And I'd like to give a huge shout-out to Disney and their family fold of like Hulu and all that because when Bob Iger said let's get this diversity shit under control we're doing a bad job we need to put the money where the mouth is and actually do this shit and boy have they you know they have really stepped up with, with not only the the African American but the Asian and female and, and uh, in, uh, indigenous and just they have gone the extra mile and they're doing it on all of their platforms so kudos to them for really up in the game in there. Okay, much needed, and, and I like with that Iger followed through on it, man. Agreed, agreed. I mean, it's been a great freaking thing to see 
all of this inclusivity, whether it be race or sexual preference or just all this shit, bring in awareness to our past history where America is fucked up in some sense. And I mean, bring awareness to mental health and all these amazing Mm -hmm. things that we need to be talking about and all these amazing things that we talk about in our short film deadline. So be sure to check out our IMDb pro uh, profile of our short film deadlines. But of course we got to thank the one and only who's going to, come on the show one day just wait on it Oprah